shit we're gonna have to talk about this week, and like, oh, there's yeah. not gonna be any snark happening from any of us. Is that what oh, we're no. trying to get at, Tim? Is that... <sighs> yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So there you go. We are recording. <laughs> we are. So if you guys are like good uh, to go, we yeah. should be good to go now. Okay. Um, yep. Let's let's pull this fucking bandaid off. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to Dance Robot Dance. This is episode 146. I am Mark. I am hosting again for an unprecedented three weeks in a row. <laughs> I swear to God, unless we do like Pearl Jam as a topic next week, I'm not hosting next week, boys. No, I'll, I'll do next week. It. It's been a while. It's taken. It's taken it out of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, we have everybody back in the house uh, returning this week in lovely Seoul, South Korea. Uh, my brother Paul is here. Good morning, everybody. And from picturesque Atlanta, Georgia, Tim is joining us. Picturesque. Sure, I'll take that. Good evening, everybody. Hey, I'm having fun, man. I'm having fun with it. You know, you got to have some fun with it. Yeah, so how are you guys doing this week? I haven't actually talked to you guys much this week. I've been busy. So. Yeah, and I've been out of town like for pretty much the whole week. I was in Savannah for work. Well, Alicia came out with me and we did a couple days like sort of vacation or getaway ahead. And then I was at a conference and then a couple days of sales visits and just got back, just got home like Thursday night. So it was like seven, six, six nights I was gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been uh, just having a normal week, so, you know, rolling along. Yeah, you were missing last week. We yeah. missed you last week. Well, we did Old Trek. Yeah. Fun with Old Trek. Yeah. yeah. At least we had fun with Old Trek. <laughs> well, there's there's some fun to be had in this week's topic, too. Let's Absolutely. Yeah, there is there is some fun in there. I had a good time with some parts of there's, it. There's a certain redhead that's a lot of fun. Uh, In the first season, she's a lot of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the news, I guess, because I found some news once I... Whatever. Lots of trailers. Lots of trailers. Lots of trailers. <laughs> Endgame continues its historic box office run this week. It is currently sitting at $676 million domestically um, as of last night. It looks like it might actually get beat out this week by Detective Pikachu, <laughs> which we will be talking about shortly. But that's a four-week run of it being number one. I don't know if it's still on track to take out Avatar or not, but it's making a lot of money. It's real close to taking out Avatar, but they're they're saying it's not having the legs that they kind of expected mm-hmm. to, like especially the legs that like Infinity War and like Black Panther had. Yeah, well, I think everybody was kind of getting in like spoiler, like getting wanted to get in to yeah. avoid spoilers for this one. So I That's guess true. that makes sense. And then Avatar had that weird Avatar had weird had a weird run because it seemed to last forever, and as it was also making those three D like yeah the three D was way more expensive because it was new. It was also like at a time when, you know, there wasn't as many, like we weren't getting like multiple blockbusters a month coming out kind of thing. So people were like, Hey, I want to go back to the movies. What's on? Oh, Avatar is still on. Nothing else has really come out. So let's fucking go see that thing again. I'm tired of talking about Avatar. It just means Disney's going to make so much money in the next 10 years. It's like, Oh, we're going to have to talk talk about Avatar later. Does that mean I'm going to have to watch about the watch the first one at some point? (laughs) Maybe. No, I don't. I don't think we need to do an Avatar episode. I'm talking. There's, some news that involves Avatar this week. Oh, was there? Because I I ignore all Avatar news, so that that'll have. Well, to it's it's sort of it's sort of peripheral with uh, with some other stuff. We'll get there. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's get into the trailers first, though, because there was. Oh, actually, first before we get into the trailers, this is kind of tangentially related to our topic of the week. But uh, Orville was actually renewed for season three after about a week being kind of on the bubble and all of the fan base freaking out about it. So that's coming back. Am I going to have to watch this at some point? You probably have to watch a couple episodes. I had a plan to kind of do like the pilot and they did a really cool two-parter in season two that actually felt like real Trek that I, w- I yeah. thought we could watch that would be entertaining. And they're like, view, they're shorter seasons too, right? They're not like 15, like one hour episodes or whatever. They're like 12 one hour episodes. Yeah. Like they're one hour episodes. Like they're, it's, okay. it's, it's structured the way Star Trek is structured. Like it's one hour episodes and that kind of stuff. So I, they don't do full seasons though. So. 
a bunch of my shows are sort of uh, finishing off right now, so uh, I might I might need to pick something up. We mentioned last week that like a bunch of my shows got canceled. I didn't even think about like all the Netflix shows that I was like religiously watching that have all gone away this year, right? Like I I lost everything this year basically when those shows yeah. went away. So <laughs> I I was always I was looking to add new shows and a a quasi Star Trek that actually got good reviews at the time was kind of up my it's obviously up my alley to the point where I'll, I would have checked it out and I enjoyed it enough that I stuck with it. So yeah. After the review of what we do this week, you probably enjoy Orville more than you <laughs> So I know you'll have a rough time with the Seth MacFarlane stuff, and even I do sometimes, but it does feel more like classic Trek than what Discovery kind of does. Not for yeah. like better, like for better or for worse, regardless of which way you do they, they It leans more into that TNG formula than what they're doing on the new stuff now. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into these trailers, because there's a fucking pile of them. So the first one, we'll talk about Spider-Man last, because... <laughs> that one was fun. The first one that I saw was It 2. That trailer came out. They crushed the casting on this, eh? When you actually get them all kind of live action and moving yeah. together. I yeah. was like, wow, this they look spot the fuck on. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, casting Jessica Chastain. If you cast Jessica Chastain or Bryce Dallas Howard, I'm going to see your movie. <laughs> like, I'm just going, you know? Mark and his redheads. So, oh, yeah, man. I Every time. But, like, yeah, I was totally in. As soon as I was like, oh, that's right. I forgot she was in this. And then I have to remember which one of the two she is because I find it very difficult, like, at first glance to say, like, oh, yeah, that's, ah, right, Jessica Chastain. Yeah. But I, either way, I was like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Trailer, like, looks like was it looks like they're going to give her all the heavy lifting, too. This well, thing, or so. that was just the scene that they chose to show in the trailer was basically all her. Like, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting to see more of, like, James McAvoy and Bill Hader. Yeah, see. for sure. When I saw Ma- I forgot McAvoy was in it, actually. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. So, I mean, one of the, the magic of the first part of it was that the young cast, yeah, they were so good. Yeah. So I was like taken aback by how effective they were as kid actors. So the fucking adult actors better step their pussies up. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> step their pussies up. Are you allowed <laughs> to say are we allowed to say that? Is that a thing you guys say? It's drag yeah. dra- it's a drag culture thing. Yeah, so. it's a drag oh, okay. drag race Fair thing. Enough. And then it got like mainstream play this week because Anne Hathaway said it when RuPaul met her matter yeah. on uh, Colbert. Oh, yes. well, if Anne Hathaway said it, then I'm cool with it. Which made me question if there's such a thing as big pussy energy in addition to big dick energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there is. <laughs> that may be a conversation we could have when we are not three dicks. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe that's a conversation for an all-women's podcast to have. <laughs> yeah, entirely possible. Details, details. But, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't wait for it, too, because I, I watched the first it on an airplane. I think it was the one really? I was uh, when I was coming back from Canada when I visited. I can't remember last year. That? Last year, two years ago. God damn, it was a long time ago. It was around when it came out because we reviewed it. Like I, 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 it was been about a year since we reviewed it. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm now looking forward to seeing it too on the big screen because the fir- first time around I was like eh, I don't really care and then I watched it I was like oh wow this is really good so now I'm like yeah I'm in for the sequel for sure yeah we surprisingly reviewed that movie which was it's a little bit outside our normal warehouse well it was because it was like it was like a phenomenon yeah. right like it had so many fucking legs yeah. and everything so and, and it was getting like so much attention by not just by horror fans yeah. kind of thing, which is rare for yeah. a horror movie. But no, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to that second one. Yeah. Like that trailer, like it crushed it for me. So I was, I was sold kind of like from the, the drop. So yeah. mm-hmm. what was the other, Oh, I thought I had another trailer in here. I only have Spider-Man written down. Was there something else? Uh, Watchmen. Oh, right. Sorry. I did have Watchmen in here. That one looked really cool. Actually. I'm, I mean, we hadn't really known where that show was going besides that it was sort of yeah set as, you know, in modern day after like the events of watch of, you know, the, 
Watchmen graphic novel happened like back in the eighties kind of thing. And it looks pretty fucking cool. And it looks like it's going to play on some of the sort of current political tensions and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm on board for sure. Well, I was on board just based on the name. So I was kind of like going to watch it regardless, but uh, no, the trailer definitely sold me on it looking like a a quality prestige HBO show. Yeah. Which is nice because we're losing our big quality HBO prestige show this year, like with game of Thrones leaving anyway. So, and that's what everybody's saying now, right? It's like, they're like, oh, Game of Thrones is leaving. So now they're like, they specifically dropped this like a couple weeks before Game of Thrones finishes, just so people won't cancel their HBO subscriptions. And the same with like all the other, like, you know, Spider-Man, like all the other trailers, they were just waiting for Endgame to like sort of die down so they can be like, okay, now that you've got, you know, that out we, got, system, we got through Endgame. Yeah. yeah like her, there's other things coming. Yeah. We still have stuff for you to pay for us. You know what I mean? Like buy yeah. from us. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that, though, we may as well talk about that Spider-Man Far From Home trailer while we're uh, talking about the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Oh, poor Peter. Peter's feel, not having a good time no. post Endgame. It is, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. It's a Spider-Man <laughs> story, so yeah, he uh, has to be as miserable as possible. Yeah, he's got to be pretty <laughs> fucking miserable for there to be a story for a Spider-Man story to happen. So. Absolutely. Yeah. If his close friends and family are not in mortal peril, then he's 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 not Peter Parker. I mean, no, nope. like they they talk about like grim and gritty for a lot of different characters. But if Spider-Man, the quippy fucking web slinger is not the most miserable character in comic book history, then there's something wrong with his character. And it's like it's funny because like. I, I can't think of a, a character besides maybe Batman who's as like who's been put through the ringer so much. Uh, I can name one Daredevil. Oh, it's always, oh yeah, because uh, because that's I mean, who Peter that's who Peter goes Batman. to. Well, so, yeah, I mean Batman we said already, but like <laughs> yeah. if you're in the Marvel universe, Daredevil is always the guy that Peter goes to, and it's like this, 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 and this happened to me, and then Matt's like, well, this, 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 and this happened to me, and they're like. So which one of us sucks more is like, well, we should just go <laughs> drinking together because we both suck equally badly, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. yeah. Usually how their lives go. Um, and it's why those characters, like I like that matchup of those characters so much. Mm-hmm. It's because they're both so miserable all the time. But when they get together, they get to commiserate. Yeah. And it makes a nice dynamic where like Peter's always so plucky and upbeat about everything. And Matt is obviously the opposite of that. So it's fun okay. to watch the two of them have basically the same problems with their superhero lives yeah. and just deal with them like completely differently. Yeah. And then buttheads because of how they're dealing with them super differently. Yeah. Um, Fortunately, but, we may never get that with Holland on and, the MCU. Yeah, Holland and, and Charlie yeah. Cox. Oh, that would be unfortunately a, that'd be so good. Anyway, yeah. I know I've been pitching that for like two years. <laughs> I want that so bad. <laughs> when they canceled Daredevil, I was like, when that was the big thing when they canceled Daredevil was that I was never going to get my Spidey Daredevil scene yeah. in the MCU, and that was where I was like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> but anyway. That was it for me for news this week. I know Tim's probably got like 400 things that I missed because I don't care about Avatar. The main thing with that with that Far From Home trailer is one, yeah, Peter's having a real rough time without Tony, uh, but it also basically says outright, unless Mysterio is lying, that there is a multiverse now in the MCU. Yeah, I assume there's always. I always assume there always was a multiverse. Just that now they're going to talk about it. It's kind yeah. of the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, a Mysterio is is apparently from another world. Basically, is what is yeah. what Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio is saying. So yeah, I wonder if the Spider-Man from his world is a uh, mixed African American Latino boy. Yeah, if it's um, Ultimates. 
Yeah, like if it's the ultimate one. But I mean, at this point, like, fucking Endgame just has to have splintered things into how many different, like, timelines, you know? I mean, we're probably going to have one different timeline for each of these new Netflix or Disney Plus series that are coming and all that sort of thing. And Yeah, and we'll have... And this is a nice way to open things up for, God, so many things. Secret Wars, Fantastic Four, X-Men, like, this is... Eternals is coming. Eternals Eternals is is their next big new movie, too, so, like, that's a big multiverse-y kind of thing. Yeah. uh, Cosmic kind of story. That's going to involve that kind of work, too, probably. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I was surprised they went with the multiverse stuff, because it's kind of a... I mean, it's one of those comic book tropes that, like, everybody wants to get to because it means you, you're opening up unlimited story potential. But it also means, like, basically nothing matters anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. just time travel shit. You can replace everything. Yeah. Right? It, it always lowers the stakes. Yeah. Time travel and multiverse stuff rip the stakes out of your story every time. Unless you're in one of those time travel stories where you're specifically like, no, we're stuck in this line and anything you do changes this yeah. line and you can't leave this line. Like, that's the only time there's stakes in time travel. Yeah. Whereas Endgame just did like they just fucking threw all that out the window, so it didn't matter. Yeah. So you have no stakes. Yeah. Right? So you're just kind of like, how does it work? So we'll yeah. see. We'll see because we got some time travel to bitch about this one too. So there's <laughs> too much time travel. Let's see. The only other major news, well, the that Tolkien movie uh, came out that we've been talking about. Alicia has seen it. I have not. Right. There are people that are not happy with parts of it, or but you know. It's it's been getting mixed response in our circle of hardcore Tolkien fan friends. I saw Alicia's post. I was hoping I could <laughs> convince her to do an episode where she bitched about it because that would would be like, yeah. I still need to me. see, so we'll see. Yeah, I was waiting for Tim <laughs> to see it, and then I was actually that would have been like me taking a week an episode off just to them talk about it, and I was <laughs> just, just sit like there. I don't yeah. want to see it. I don't have the I don't have the ambition <laughs> to go see this movie. Can I watch it on Netflix yet? Yeah. No, I don't care then. <laughs> so. <laughs> But the big one, and this is also sort of a like Disney being like, hey, we have other stuff coming, is that they sort of reannounced their upcoming film slate for the next few years. So the big sort of changes or, or big sort of changes in it are one that regardless of the fact that they said they were taking breaks on Star Wars movies, there's another trilogy coming that starts in 2022. So they're going to take three years off after Rise of Skywalker and then December 2022 the, there's the first start of this new trilogy whether that's rian johnson's new trilogy or i thought it was the game of thrones guys the ben, benioff and or Weiss. yeah or or yeah. db weiss and and yeah and, uh and benioff's uh whatever yeah it's remains to be seen oh okay because i wasn't sure if that which one they had said was like because i had heard the ryan johnson one was like canceled and the, the yeah the all of, of that is rumor going forward but then i saw something else this week that was like no that's a rumor the Game of Thrones guys aren't ready because they haven't got their spinoff ready yet. So they can't do their Star Wars thing. So the, the Ryan Johnson one's happening. I'm like, why does it feel like nobody actually knows what's going on and everybody's just guessing? Well, exactly. It is. That's exactly what it is. is. Disney plays this stuff close to the te- chest. These things end up being like, you know, reports say, and then something will come out two months later that is mm-hmm. that a report says is exactly the opposite or whatever. Yeah. Um, it ends up being a mix of the two rumors or somehow yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like it's going to be Benioff and fucking Char- Ryan Johnson who are doing the trilogy, not yeah. Benioff and Weiss or something like that. Like just ridiculous nonsense. Yeah. But. New Mutants is now pushed to spring next year. Yeah, I saw that. April 3rd, 2020, uh, which is what, like three years after it was fucking filmed or something like that. So yeah, yeah. see. Yeah. See how that looks when it finally comes out. They still have to schedule reshoots on that movie, if I'm not mistaken. Because I remember them talking about that, and I, I, they haven't happened yet. Yeah. So, like, that's still one of those things that's up in the air for that show. Yeah. 
or that movie, I should say. Yeah. Those Avatar sequels uh, are <laughs> apparently start in releasing Christmas 2021. So it looks like basically what Disney is going to do is going to alternate Avatar movies and and Star Wars movies oh. every as Christmas releases <laughs> start from 20, 2021 to like 2026 or longer than that, I guess. Every second year, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. For yeah. Me. Uh, and then even that with the Star Wars, where I'm like, I'm I'm quasi burnt out on the franchise. I'm like, uh, whatever. I feel like because oh, I do a podcast. <laughs> I feel like the Avatar movies are going to end up as popular as tra- I think they're going to be Transformers, and they're going to do you surprisingly so? well. If I hope they flop, I hope they cancel all of them because <laughs> the first Avatar movie was not good. Well, I think a lot of them are already filmed. <laughs> I think they're filming them all at once. Like, I don't. Like, that's the yeah. problem is we have no details about what he's actually doing. Just that he's making these movies, so we don't know. Like, is he shooting them like all at once and just going to edit them out like piecemeal at a time? Is yeah. he shooting one at a time like the way you would shoot normal movies? Or like, I don't know. We have we have no information about it. And even if we did, that would require me to go look for it. And I don't give a I fuck enough care. to go and look for it. It's- so. We're kind of here. Yeah. That's kind of where we are with the Avatar stuff. It's just become part of our world because it now is included in like, oh, we're factoring Disney release schedules. It's one of the big tentpoles in theory of Disney's yeah. release strategy, uh, along with the two franchises that we're actually interested in, Marvel yeah. and Star Wars, right? So yeah, makes a, it just makes it a weird space to have to deal with where we're like, none of us really care, but it just yeah. keeps coming up. And we don't even know yeah. if they're actually going to get made. So yeah. And then, and then in terms of Marvel stuff, basically starting like next May, we're supposed to have an untitled Marvel film, which and is then rumored to be Eternals right now. Like, Eternals, or it could be Black Panther two, mm-hmm. and then another one in November, and from there it's just you know every like six months or something like that. They've got a. It looks like they've well, no, it looks like some years they've got like three Marvel movies on the slate. So we'll see mm-hmm. see where that goes. I would assume they have another, like, a plan to do a new Avengers at some point in the next, like, five yeah, yeah. years. So, like, that yeah. would probably be one of the three, the three movie years is going to be, yeah, like... Yeah, and uh, Doctor Strange 2 will probably be one. Captain yeah. Marvel 2 will probably be one of them. And Guardians 3 will end up fitting in there somewhere. And yeah, probably later, like, further down the line a little bit. But, yeah, yep. that'll be in there for sure. Yeah. And then Indiana Jones 5 is apparently on the slate for 2021 at the moment, so... Oh, that's right. Disney owns that now, too. Oh, my fucking God. Like, that's crazy yep. to me. <laughs> Uh, I always forget about that. Yep. That, uh, All that part of Fox. Part of that deal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, well, not even well, Lucas knows. That was the Lucas film acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's craziness. Anyway, that was. Uh, are you good, are you good for news? Are we good now? Yeah, pretty much. Nice, nice. All right, let's uh, let's move on to geek of the week for the week. Paul, since you weren't here last week. Geek of the week. Geek of the week. All right, which is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. We're going to start with Paul because I'm kind of curious about this movie. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I went to see Detective Pikachu. It got an early release in Asia Pacific in certain parts of Asia Pacific. So I uh, went to see it uh, by myself at a nine o'clock showing with minimal children in the audience, which was wonderful. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was, I'm not sure that I like it. But I'm not sure that I hate it either. It's kind of like it kind of exists in, for me in this no man's land of like they were obviously trying to hook both like Pokemon fans and they were trying to hook new viewers because Ryan Reynolds and like a broader appeal. Mm-hmm. And 
it didn't quite land on either side for me. And so I was just kind of left like, oh, it was a movie. It was diverting. And it was less than two hours long. So that's fine. I can't imagine a, a series, a beloved series that would both try and hook new fans while also trying to pay homage to past uh, fans. That we, I've never uh, seen anything like that, especially not this past <laughs> week. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. So the Pokemon company has a very strong stranglehold on like the image rights of its franchise the same way disney does with mickey mouse so it was weird to see this movie push the boundaries of what and even just recently in the news they were saying that they didn't the pokemon company didn't like certain portrayals of the pokemon in the movie like there's this one scene where uh one of the original 151 lickitung licks the main character and leaves this trail of slime on his face and they were just really not cool with the with the way that certain pokemon looked and acted but some of those parts were like they didn't like mr mime either but that was one of the funniest parts of the movie by far like that got a lot it got a lot of laughs from me so i can recommend it on that basis like i was chuckling a lot and the first 15 minutes of the movie i was grinning like an idiot because it was like oh my god a good like a, it felt like pokemon when i was watching the first 15 minutes of it it's just that the storyline was just kind of basic and wait what are we talking about are we still talking about pokemon are we talking about Star <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah this feels like yeah. exactly the same conversation we're about yeah to it's just, but i came wrong. out yeah, of anyway. i came out of detective pikachu happy and i didn't have that same feeling with discovery (laughs) so i would say if you have i don't know if i could recommend it as like a 15 buck trip to the movies but if you were like forced to drag your kids there you'd probably have some fun and you'd probably get some laughs so it wasn't there's nothing wrong with it but like don't go out and seek it out unless you're a major pokemon fan and even then temper your expectations (laughs) of it and that duly noted yeah. not going to see save it, it for just, just download or watch it on netflix i was gonna say i'll wait for i'll wait for netflix I'll, I'll watch it because like ryan reynolds like i'll watch him basically read the phone book because he's hilarious yeah. right but i'm not going out to see a pokemon movie um, <laughs> there's no fucking way i'm still upset with how pokemon the pokemon movie franchise damaged me when i was a teenager from how many barf spots i had to clean up in that theater <laughs> what the movie mm-hmm. came out so no the first Pokemon movie came out in yeah. 2000, I want to say. Yeah. Oh, a little bit before that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was working at the movie theater and when it came out, it was, it was insane. Like it was the most popular movie for almost three months. Like matinees. This was that uh, Mew just, like, movie or whatever. The first one. The yeah. Mewtwo. Mew, the very, yeah. very first yeah. one. Yeah. Cause we were giving away Pokemon cards. So everybody was coming to get their Mew Pokemon. Yes. Cards. I, I had to steal one for Paul. I got a couple. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I had, so like, but yeah, so I had like three, at least three weeks in a row where like that movie was out and that like, it was in, it was fucking pandemonium. It was just, Why are it's they like, puking? Because <sighs> they get all overexcited and sugared up and then they throw up everywhere. I don't know. I don't have kids. I just know. I just had to clean up the vomit. And they might've been a little upset because the main character does die for a few minutes in that movie. So that might've contributed to it back in the anyway. day. I just so I, I'm always I'm always like anti Pokemon because I'm like I never gave a shit about the franchise as a game franchise and then the movies came out and I was just like <laughs> this is ruining my weekend like this is supposed to be a quiet weekend with like one good big kids movie and this one big kids movie is like eating through 
everything mm-hmm. and it's yeah paul you were talking about like going to see it in a theater without kids i can only imagine going to see it like it would end up being like finding nemo but like 10 times worse like every time there's a pokemon uh-huh. on the screen every kid is yelling its name like squirtle yeah. psyduck yeah i mean it was it was you have to go to a <laughs> vip midnight yeah. show where you have to be legal age just to enjoy that was movie. one of the weird things too is that the uh, they have a, a a stable of 800 something pokemon and the ones that they chose to include in the movie were a little bit strange. Like there were the ones that like were obviously like fan appeal, the, the most recognizable 151 original. Yeah. And then the ones that they chose that were outside of the 151 were really weird. Like they were like, they were some like deep cuts, but some of them were, were like a welcome, like there, there was one scene where Ludicolo, which is a, a uh, Pokemon that looks like a pineapple sombrero is a, working at a coffee shop. It, that was cute, but there's some other cameos where you're like, <laughs> and then none of the words you've said for the past five minutes have made any sense to me. I just want to throw that. <laughs> in. Well, there you go. <laughs> we did say fuck. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did say fuck. So I understood yeah. fuck. Everything else around <laughs> yeah. those words, I was like, I don't know what that means. What's a Squirtle? Yeah, yeah. Tell me what a Squirtle. <laughs> yeah. Is. It was. It's, it go, was. Go fine. search it on Pornhub. No. Th- oh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Actually, that's funny because I was. All bad. I was doing research this week, and for for reasons that will become obvious when I can actually talk about something, I was looking up uh, dominatrix and something else. Oh, corset or something like that. Because so I was looking for photo reference of a woman in you know a dominatrix corsety outfit, and uh, I pumped that into DeviantArt. I regretted that decision. <laughs> quote unquote reference material right well yeah, i mean like yeah the, the the dividing line between my reference material and my stroke material is razor thin like just razor <laughs> thin, you know what i mean like basically there is no line so whatever <laughs> whatever tim what was your geek of the week man my geek of the week guys this afternoon i did it i finally got all 900 korok seeds why in oh, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations, I guess. Just, so just, why, just why is a better sure fuck, fucking persistence. Mm. And and like it, like you said, I, I know I've talked about it on the podcast. It's what I've been doing like while I've been exercising and shit like that. Oh, so that's right. I, you know, just because it's kind of mindless and it keeps me engaged and off the fact that I'm just mindlessly pedaling on an elliptical. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, in the last like 24 hours, I finished that and I've got the Hinox and the Talus medals as well. So I'm like 99.3 something percent like completion of the game. I think oh I'm just, God. there's just a couple locations that I haven't triggered. So some point, maybe tomorrow, I'll go around and figure out which ones I've missed so I can fully get my 100%. I spent a couple days after we did our episode, like continuing my little Korok hunt. And I got to about 7.40, and then I just I stopped, because I ended up going to play something on Xbox, or like I switched to one of those games I played on Xbox after I played through Breath of the Wild again. But mm. I keep thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back and do those 900 Koroks. And it, part of it was just be like, I want to do it before Tim does, because fuck Tim. But like, <laughs> I couldn't. Like, I can't. I can't. There's just no way. Like, I have no, like, because the way I'm doing it, like, I've got the map set up and stuff like that. It just feels like work, because I'm just checking them off. And I'm like, this sucks. This isn't fun for me. That was what I was doing, too. I was, like, checking the map against, like, what I already had and, like, yeah. marking the locations of the ones. I, I wasn't, like, going, it wasn't to the point where, like, I was checking you know, what I needed to do to get the ones that I'd been missed, yeah. unless, like, it was taking me, like, way too long to figure it out and then i'd look yeah. and be like okay fine i'll do that so yeah. i'd say like 95 percent of them i got like mostly legitimately oh really so, 
Yeah, no, because like, I used the map. I was I was like I was using the map on the map yeah. to get like just to be like, what's the fastest route I can take to get these five seeds, and then just do those five, and then do yeah. the next five, and just do them like five at a time. Yeah. And even then, I was like, wow, this is taking like an hour per five. I hate this. This sucks. Oh, like, it wasn't me. It wasn't that bad for me. Like I was averaging maybe like twenty minutes no, for every five or something like that. I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but like it's yeah. still it's just it's super monotonous. I couldn't do it anymore. It is, but like I said, that's what I was looking for was something that, you know, I can't like play a game that requires like a bunch of, you know, really like fiddly yeah, controls and shit like that. that. Yeah, exactly. When I'm also pedaling on elliptical, but that just fucking riding around and solving a really quick puzzle, I could do no problem. So might be time to pick up one of the standard Pokemon games to replace Breath of the Wild. No, one. next one is I, I think the next and uh, I, I, I still have a bunch of Zelda games I need to play through. So I think the mm. next one is one of the handheld ones that I'm supposed to play. Yeah, Nice. Yeah, you, you should do that. But, you know, Pokemon Sword and Shield is coming this no, holiday I'm season. never so, want to uh, yeah. play a Pokemon game that's not Pokemon Go. It's not uh, ever going to well, happen. That's your problem, then. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's, 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 your choices. It's, your, it's your choice. That's fine. All right. Just, now now that I just hurt, Mark, hurt, hurt Paul's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Broke, broke, my, broke my little... <laughs> So anyway, my Geek of the Week, I guess. So there is a new Transformer show coming. I don't know if you guys know about this, but the toy line has already started to hit. Mm. So the Siege War for Cybertron toys have started to hit, and they're already going on sale. <laughs> so I picked up a couple just to like see them because I'd gotten a, a taste. This is kind of Bumblebee's fault. I got a taste for buying non-Masterpiece Transformers when I bought that Optimus Prime from that movie. Mm. So I was looking at these Siege characters, and they're all very G1 influenced and stuff, so... I picked up Megatron, Optimus, and Starscream in the last couple of weeks. And they're actually pretty nice little figures. Oh, yeah. But between that, I've added that. And when I was at Walmart, like, Ooh. hunting them down, there's a reissue like of those. the G1 uh, Optimus Prime right now. Nice. Like, just the, just the cab version. And I haven't had... I have a knockoff version that is missing a hand that I have in truck mode sitting there. So I was like, oh, I can get the cool, like, legit one, and it'll have both hands. And <laughs> I'll have a G1 Optimus sitting there and it only cost me 30 bucks. So I was like, I'm in, I'll do this. But yeah, I've been like picking up little Transformers doodads and this, that, and the other thing the last little while. Breaking my cardinal, I don't really collect action figures rule. Because the boys can probably see there's a new Grimlock behind me. I do. Too. I do see. My masterpiece, I actually took him out of the box <laughs> to fiddle with him because I wanted a photo reference of a Grimlock to do. Nice. So. <laughs> I love it. And uh, so there's, and then there was two other things that are actually Trek related. I don't know if Tim's seen these or not yet but the uh, mcfarland toys no 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 the mcfarland toys oh no guys i actually pulled them out of the box so like the kirk and the picard that they did because they're on sale now they're basically clearance so mm-hmm. like 10 bucks oh pop. cool so i grabbed those they're really nice figures i got them sitting up with my collection of enterprise models but so mm-hmm. i've been having this weird like action figure moment this past week where i'm just kind of like pulling my stuff out and looking at it and seeing what i can use for photo reference and yeah Decorating a little bit, like throwing some stuff actually up, as opposed to just having in boxes, boxes of Transformers <laughs> up on the shelf, kind of thing. But yeah, no, I, I, so I'm enjoying. Like, I just like the models of the the Siege for Cybertron stuff. So I'm looking forward to the show starting up in the fall because they've got. Yeah, well, is, is there an exact date of when that starts? It's supposed to be. I, it's nebulously supposed to be like thir- fourth quarter this year. I think we're supposed to get the first uh, season. Okay. So like, the, like I said, the toys are out. Like the, the first set is basically all out. You can get a whole bunch of very g1 inspired autobots and a couple very g1 inspired decepticons because it's, it's almost the same disparity that the 84 line had where there was just like a ton of autobots and like six decepticons mm. so you're getting like 
Optimus, Bumblebee, like everybody kind of on the Autobot side, whereas the Decepticon side right now, I think Megatron, Starscream, Shockwave, and Soundwave are all available. And yeah. they've got the other two Seekers like as recolors that are coming out in the summer, so Thundercracker and Skywarp to kind of fill out the Decepticon ranks, but again, they're not out yet. So see, I I just like the those Decepticons more than the Autobots. I general. always, and that's the thing. That's what I always end up buying more of. Like I always end up buying way more Decepticons than Autobots. Like I said, like I bought Optimus, and I if you look at my Amazon cart as I'm kind of like deciding which ones I would want next, it's like Shockwave, Soundwave, Soundwave. There's a really nice Ultra Magnus figure I'm thinking about, but the next big one is Jetfire. Yeah. Mm. So that's the, the, which is like a super G1 accurate model. Um, you should look it up. It's very cool looking, but that comes out in August. So, but yeah, so it's been like weird Transformers action figures this week, which again, they all leads back to this big project I'm working on that I will talk to you guys about in the next couple of weeks as they actually become public and live and stuff. Cool. So yeah. Cool. So that's it. We're into meat of the episode time. It's time to complain about Star Trek. <laughs> Words I never thought I'd say. Meat of the episode. Space mushroom meat. <sighs> Spores right away. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, we don't speak of the spore drive anymore, guys. That's what the last episode was mm, about, Well, no, right? see, we, there's a gag rule. You can, <laughs> you can talk about them if you want the very obtusely referenced death penalty again, which makes a lot of sense. But to be honest, after watching the show that much i probably would start talking about the sport drive just to kind of end it all so <laughs> there is that we're actually kind of coming back around to something we promised you guys we would do last week so we are going to review star trek discovery this week something we've been talking at. about reviewing for like since the first season came what, out yeah years years now yeah so we're actually going to do it hopefully last week i got all my rambly star trek nonsense out of the way i say that tempting fate <laughs> yeah that's not gonna happen yeah exactly right <laughs> And we're all synced up again, and Paul's back, so we're going to actually sit down and do this review of Star Trek Discovery. So first, I want to start, um, we talked last week a little bit about our histories with the franchise, but I just wanted to quickly kind of like reiterate it, and then have like basically have Paul tell us his history with the franchise. You can kind of get ours from last week's episode, uh, but I want to have everybody kind of up to speed. Mm-hmm. So, Paul? So, my my history of Star Trek is very secondhand, mm-hmm. because it was always fucking on TV because Mark was watching it. Like I like I have some very distinct memories of like just sitting down and just I would absorb a lot of Trek knowledge just because it was always on the goddamn TV. <laughs> yes, it was. Like weekend reruns, like when it was first airing. I remember Mark being insane about best of both worlds. I know like every even every single franchise except for Voyager, which Mark was very squirrely about even as it was releasing. No, I watched it uh, as it aired, but I never talked about it. Yeah, I had some yeah. issues. Him and Janeway are best friends. Best friends forever. <laughs> so I, and I've seen all of the Star Trek movies, and I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and the original series. Yeah, I've seen the whole original series. So yeah, I've, my original viewing of star trek in general was pretty piecemeal so it took i had to go back and watch everything in sequence and i don't have the insane love for the franchise that mark does but i do have a fondness for it because i like what it represents because it is very like that optimistic wonder sci-fi that was very like very 50s very 60s like we love science just because we love science yeah. and we love the idea of space exploration because it gives us hope for the future and that's what i love about star trek which 
might have been missing a little bit from what we're reviewing this week. Yeah, Yeah, just a little Uh, bit. Yeah, again, like I think that was probably like everybody's surprise take from last week. I think what I heard from my friends when they were listening to it was like, I've never heard you so positive about anything. And I'm like, well, it's because that's what Star Trek is. It's a franchise about positivity. You know what I mean? Like why I'm so caustic and misanthropic may actually be because I want the world to be like Star Trek and it's not. And I'm therefore disappointed in the world because we could have <laughs> yeah. that if we all just work together, but we don't because we all hate each other. Yeah. And uh, we deserve what we get because of it. So there you go. We deserve Star Trek Discovery. This is the Star Trek show we wanted. It's the Star Trek show we deserve. Basically. Yeah. Not to, not to, not to quote Batman again, but you know, that's basically yeah. what it is. So I want to talk about season one in broad strokes. Um, but first, Going back to pre-discovery, Tim and I obviously had a, a fair bit of hype going into this. So, like, where were you guys for like hype-wise before Discovery aired? Like, new, when new Star Trek was announced, how did you feel? Did you care? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was definitely. I was definitely pumped. Like, I probably not as pumped as Mark was, but I was like, yeah, this is definitely something that I'm yeah. going to watch. And then the trailers and stuff had it looking real cool, like fucking shiny and new and. And then there was all like the question about like, how the fuck does this fit into the timeline and everything? And, uh, you know, they were, they kept saying like, oh, it's pre, you know, pre original series. Um, and then you were seeing these trailers and being like, bitch, this does not fucking look pre original series. And no, (laughs) and that was, that's the thing, right? Like that, especially the Crossfield class, like the discovery ship itself looks like the next step from the sovereign class, like the enterprise. E. So I was like, all right, we're going backwards. This is backwards from How? the Enterprise because yeah. it looks kind of <laughs> yeah. forwards from the Enterprise. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I was interested in it because you know originally it was very much uh, hyped as the next Brian Fuller series, <sighs> which um, co- coming off the cancellation of Hannibal, I was really excited for what mm. he was going to do next. I was really curious about like the Brian Fuller because of his Hannibal, like having done Hannibal and like Dead Like Me and stuff like that. Like I was aware of Brian Fuller's filmography or whatever. Him being attached mm-hmm. to Star Trek, like I was very, I was nervous, like as a Trek fan, because I'm like yeah. his, what do you call it, like his tone or whatever you want to call it, like his yeah. style didn't apply to Star Trek to me at all. Like it made no sense at all. Like I, I, I yeah. you could do different things, but it was just so night and day that I was like, oh boy, what are you yeah. doing to my franchise? Because Brian Fuller has a very, yeah, he very much lives in a specific tone in each of his series. Like if you look at Pushing Daisies mm-hmm. versus. Like and how whimsical it is, and how they double down on the whimsicalness of it, and then you have Hannibal, which is this highly stylized like murder romance kind of thing, I yeah. guess. And I was interested to see what kind of tone and style that he was going to go with for a Star Trek series, and yeah, it did because of you know him like not really being part of it at a certain point and him got weird. And then I started to, I didn't, I didn't watch it cause I lost interest because he wasn't really show running it yeah. anymore. So I was like, well, like uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the, that level of Trek fondness where I was like dying to see it. Yeah. So I it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. And so I, I only watched it because yeah. we we're reviewing it. So <laughs> this isn't, this is not Brian Fuller's um, first I was gonna do, uh, shot at Trek either though. He did, he did uh, no, produce a no, bunch of episodes um, of Voyager. 
Was he? Bo- I thought it was Enterprise. Yeah. He was on. He did. Oh no, that was somebody else. That was Kodo. Sorry, never mind. Yeah, Fuller was Voyager for a little while. He did. Have, he does have a history yeah. with the franchise, but he was just a writer. Yeah, he was he producer, like producer and writer at that time. I don't think Co- he co-produced oh, twenty-five he episodes according to IMDb and uh, wrote. Oh, a, oh yeah, right. They did the shake like up at the end, or Sorry. had some hand in writing like twenty-five episodes too. It looks like that makes. That that tracks. My uh, knowledge of the production and background of Voyager is way limited compared to like who I know was on staff for like the original series through Deep Space. Like I know the writers of those shows, whereas Voyager, I'm like I know who produced it, and I don't care. <laughs> he even wrote a couple of late uh, DS9 episodes too. Yep, I think he got a start on Deep Space Nine. Actually, I think they hired yeah. him on Deep Space Nine. He moved over to Voyager. I think that might be the way it worked. But either way. So we want to kind of review this show. And I had originally, like, I was just going to do it standard where we do like likes versus dislikes, but I figured that was going to turn into a fucking fiasco. So I decided not to do that. My next thought was to like, let's just quickly breeze through the plot of season one so that we can kind of get through it and get into season two and talk about the stuff we actually want to talk about or the more pertinent stuff. But then I tried to recap basically what happened in the first season. And the first episode, like the first two parts, yeah. took me a page and a half to recap. <laughs> so I don't really know what to do here. Because my primary problem I have is that, like, what I want to talk about is the plot of the show, because it's a huge problem for me. But mm-hmm. going through it all is going to take four fucking years because there's so much stuff and it's all attached to the main character, who I guess we can just get into it, is so yeah. burdened by Providence, I guess, before you mm-hmm. even get into the like main run of the show. She's so important to the Star yeah. Trek universe and we've never even heard about her that it's baffling. Like baffling. And this is in the yeah. pilot. Like she becomes Jesus in the pilot before we even get to like the main run of the show. So it's very strange. Yeah, I have yeah. problems with Michael Burnham for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that by tying the entire series to this over centralized character, and I will say over centralized, yeah. and I like, and because I don't actually have a problem with her in theory, but like in practice, the way that everything seems to center around <laughs> Michael Burnham, everything, yeah, from like the, the beginning war. of yeah. the Klingon, Klingon war. war, all all the way to the Red Angel at the end of season two, it's, it's just overwrought so, as fuck. Like, Okay, I didn't. Okay, let, and I, I know the the word we're not supposed to say is Mary Sue, but like, yeah, I I do feel like she's Mary Sueish. <sighs> yeah, she is, a, and it's a very Trek word to use because that's where it originates. It originates from it, our yeah. fanfic. Yeah, like she's bri- she's she's brilliant. She's the one that has like you know everybody goes to her if they need to check like a theory or something like that. She can fucking stand toe to toe in yeah. battle with Klingons. She's apparently an outstanding pilot as well and fuck okay you know what why don't i just do this why don't i just read my bit because like this bits it's like three par- four paragraphs long and it basically explains like her <laughs> everything about her it from the pilot and just to kind of edify how bafflingly important she seems to be so like just from the pilot michael burnham is the first officer of the uss shenzo under the command of philip giorgio they detect some weird negative space wedgie near klingon space and in a baffling practice, send out a person in an EVA suit and standing out like instead of a worker bee or a shuttle or something like that. But there's some goofy re- hand wavy reason for having to go out in the EVA yeah, suit. Yeah, uh, not just someone. It has to be Burnham because it has to be. Yeah, but it has to, and it has to be Burnham, obviously. So she goes out there, discovers a Klingon thing, lands on the hull, and then in the weirdest thing I've ever seen in Star Trek, 
Another <laughs> Klingon comes out of the ship and they get into a fight on the hull. Now that guy is also the torchbearer. So she's now guilty of killing a very important yeah. Klingon, right? Like inside the political structure of the Klingons. This is not even talking about the fact that the Klingons have some yeah. giant revolt happening. That is the subplot for the first half of the season mm. that we'll get into eventually. So now they've uncloaked. They've discovered that the Klingons are kind of doing something aggressive. Like they're in their, like near their space. And that the Klingons can cloak period. They've also found out about the cloaking device too, which was kind of confusing to me. Cause I thought they had cloaking devices in enterprise. So when they were like, Oh, they have cloaking devices. Now I'm like, wait, <laughs> I think they cloaked an enterprise. So like, wait, how is this new? But that neither here nor there either way. So she gets into a fight. We find out also that in the midst of all this, she is a orphan who was killed during a Klingon raid on a Vulcan colony and was then raised by Vulcans. Not just, Not any, just fucking any Vulcans, Vulcans. <laughs> Literally the most important Vulcan family in Star yeah. Trek. Like, bar none, the most important family in Star Trek. She is the never-before-spoken-about foster yeah. sister to literally the most important character in Star Trek. She's Spock's sister, and we've never heard about her before. Now, not unprecedented, because we never heard about Cybok before Star Trek V either, but maybe we should have learned from precedent and not done that. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it gets worse, guys. It, it, it does, and so I'm going to keep going. Like, it keeps, it, it gets worse. Okay, so she's revealed to be Sarek's foster daughter. So she quickly kind of, I, I don't know if she even went to the Academy, because it kind of sounds like they bounced her through the Academy and just made her EXO on Shenzo without... Like after having gone to the Vulcan Science something or after other, she like, got it doesn't sound like she actually went to the, uh, the, the, the science. Yeah, or, well, the the Vulcan like ex, uh, oh the exploratory commission that's exploratory it. commission yeah. or expedition or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, so she gets passed over for that and ends up in Starfleet instead, which is weird. She then ends up as XO of apparently a legendary captain because apparently Captain Giorgio is listed as one of the legendary captains of Starfleet later on in the show. Takes her under her wing. And then takes her to this Klingon thing where she then decides that the first thing she needs to do is shoot at the Klingons before they open communications with them, which they give a reason for. She starts having like PTSD and everything. Exactly. But like, as a Star Trek fan, like your heroes don't shoot first. Like Starfleet doesn't yeah. shoot first ever. So she runs onto the bridge and starts being like, we have to shoot first. Everybody looks at her like she's got three heads, including the audience, because we're all like, we've been doing this for 50 years. I don't yeah. care if they're Klingons. We don't shoot first. That's not how this works. And they may, they keep trying to make the case for her through the entire pilot. Yeah. And I still couldn't sympathize I with her. I could never but... sympathize with her. And it gets even worse to the point where she fucking assaults the commanding officer and then mutinies. And now here's where I have a real problem with this character. I'm supposed to eventually think that this character is the lead that I'm supposed to like. This character is a mutineer on a Starfleet ship. Now, I am probably alone in this but I'm a big Trek fan and therefore I'm very like into the Starfleet ideal. So yeah. when you put a mutineer in front of me and be like, you're supposed to like this person, they're the lead character. I'm like, no, <laughs> sorry. Well, like doesn't work problem- for me in this universe. Like, And then she randomly just gets given fucking a Starfleet post again. It's not like even that. Three not episodes even that. later. She then goes over to the ship. She fucking kills the leader of the Klingon empire, starts the war, watches her captain die and is now, <sighs> in jail and is the most vile person in Starfleet or in Federation history. Mm-hmm. The first mutineer in Starfleet history also mm-hmm. yeah. baffling. Cause she also like I, what I did notice when I was rewatching it, she had her face around stun. And when they killed Giorgio, like, um, is it, it's not Vogue folks, the, the torchbearer to Kuvma. Uh, when Takuvma kills Giorgio. Kuvma. 
yeah he she flips her fucking phaser to kill and shoots him in cold blood like yeah god damn it this is supposed to be my lead character this is supposed to be the character that i'm supposed to like follow around and pretend is like a hero like and cheer for and like james kirk or picard or cisco or janeway or whoever like these people are supposed to be my heroes yeah i've watched two hours of the show she's a mutineer who just shot somebody in cold blood right I'm supposed to like this person? No. (laughs) Right out the gate, we have this kind of cynical view of Starfleet where they're portraying Starfleet, the Starfleet ideal as something that doesn't work and that she has to work around. And we're supposed to sympathize with her because she sees the bigger picture and she's always right. And like all these automatons at Starfleet, who we are supposed to like because Starfleet is supposed to be an ensemble cast show, which this one is not. Also, we're we're 50 years into a franchise where we are all in love with Starfleet people. You know what I mean? Like we're always like, they're our main characters for like this entire franchise. So like anybody who's coming back to this franchise is going to be like, oh, I want to like these people. Like I'm supposed to like these people. That's what Star Trek is, is you like the crew, you go on adventures with the crew. I don't know this crew and I don't like yeah. the lead character. Why am I supposed to want to go on an adventure with them? It yeah. They, 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 um, one of the things that I was so enamored with, with the pilot was Michelle Yeoh as captain Giorgio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was like really excited for her character. And then when they killed her off, I was like, but no. Oh, he Paul flipped out. <laughs> I Paul was... flipped out. So they killed her character in the pilot. And Paul lost his mind at me in chat. Which is not the first time it happened. Well, actually, it was the first time it happened, but it was not the last <laughs> yeah. time it happened, I should, is what I should be saying. Um, it should also be noted that by the time we get to the end of the season, we will also find out that these people are so important to this universe that Captain Giorgio's mirror universe counterpart is the fucking Empress. Like, that's how important yeah. these people all are. It's really strange. And I don't even want to, like, we'll talk about the mirror universe when we get to it. But, like, I don't like <laughs> that idea. As soon as you leave TOS, that idea stops working yeah. for me. Anytime they've done it in deep space or they did an, well, the enterprise one kind of worked because they just like whole hog t- like did a, a plot tie up with uh, the defiant having shifted did, over to that yeah. universe kind of in TOS. So there is a close to that loop on this show, which is interesting, but it's still like, yeah. why, why is everybody so important to the point where like, like she was a captain of a Starfleet ship in the regular universe usually means she's the captain of a Terran yeah. ship on the other side, but she's the Empress. Like that's how, oh, it's great. Like it's so crazy in terms of like what do you call it destiny yeah. of all these characters and i know they no, say I it in the show it's to fate and everything and burnham does too yeah yeah. yeah but it's yeah. like too much it's too a much. it's a chosen one narrative in a in a series franchise that doesn't that do doesn't that do that it's like the the one of the joys that i had while watching the original like the next generation in particular is that Every cast member, like certain cast members were better than others in terms of acting ability and like just the writing around them. Like everyone knows that there's like one good Troy episode in the next generation or whatever, or a couple. There's There's two, two. there's two. (laughs) Yeah. And, but even then when Troy got her chance to shine, she got her chance to shine. And even you could tell from the beginning of this franchise in this pilot that there's something weird going on with the way that they've over centralized this character. Yeah. And then it just, yeah. just gets, gets worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. And my, my issue with yeah. her is, you know, the, the over centralization is definitely a problem, but just that she's real fucking insufferable. A lot of the time, like yeah. she's, they've just, yeah, they just dude. write her sometimes as like just pompous, unnecessarily obtuse. They, but 
like when they need her to be, they can they'll write her as like logical and calculating, basically Vulcan. Or when they also when they need her to be, she's like emotional and unstable and unpredictable when a plot requires it, kind of thing. And like, yeah. like look at look at her fucking yeah. mutineering. Like she has like PTSD because she sees some fucking Klingons, and then like hours later, she games the fucking computer into releasing her from her cell. I had a weird like Kirk moment with that where I was like. I know the computers can get tricked into you in like that era because Kirk does constantly, but like, should we be tricking Starfleet computers? Cause he always tricks yeah. like androids yeah. and shit. Well, right? but they're gamed their own computers. He also. gamed, he gamed the, the Kobayashi Maru. The Kobayashi Maru. Legendarily. He cheated outright cheated, like outright <laughs> cheated that. And that wasn't a yeah. gaming. He yeah. programmed it. Like she, she logic yeah. bombed the yeah. fucking, which, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. If you're going to consistently write her that way and not have that take place, a scene after yeah. she's just like freaked out and fucking started a massive war because she can't get over her own shit. Yeah. yeah and shot her captain. And yeah. Shit. I, but I wanted to just point out before we like, yeah. Cause we, this character is a problem, but like Sonequa Martin green as an actress is yeah. doing her a really fine gut so job. Good. Like she's doing such a good job. She, I loved her on walking dead. I was sad yeah. when they let, when yeah. she left yeah. walking dead for this. Um, and she's doing, she's doing well with yeah, what she's being given. She's just not being given anything yeah. decent to work with. I would love to see her work with, like, I really hope that like her, they're punching them out to the 31st century. I mean, she gets to like, I don't know how they'll do it. I know they're going to, but I don't know how they're going to, but like have her land on the Picard show at some point so that she gets to act across from the mighty Patrick Stewart. I know they're going to do this. Yeah. They have to, because she's yeah. so central to the plot. They're going to be like, we tied her to Spock. Let's tie her to everybody else's favorite character who are also bringing back yeah. incidentally and have her tied back to Patrick Stewart. Yeah. The Picard. But like at least that scene, it'll be like, oh man, she's gonna get to act against, yeah. you know, Patrick Cause, Stewart. So, because man, like the the rest of the cast does, ugh, ugh. the rest of the cast. Do we want to talk about the rest of the cast? Because it's kind of a weird. This is a weird Star Trek setup because we don't really know the bridge crew. So like traditionally, when you're walking through one of these Star Trek shows, like the the main cast is your bridge crew, right? Like it's the people. Who, I mean, they basically do everything, but they are the people who are mm-hmm. on the bridge all the time. So, like, we go back, it goes way back to TOS. Like, we know all those characters, like, those six or seven, depending on what season you're in and if Chekhov has shown yeah. up yet or not. And then, like, the the seven from Next Gen, like, you know those characters. And it it's lessened in Deep Space because that cast is massive mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then, again, Voyager, like, you have, there's a core cast of, like, that's the command crew and Enterprise is the same way. Whereas this show, you're like, you have Michael Burnham, and then you have Tilly, who's her roommate. Saru. And Stamets and Saru. And Lorca, I guess Lorca, yeah. kinda, and then a bunch of randoms around who do other stuff. Oh, also I Dr. forgot Culber. Culber. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. Doctor Culber's there, and then who may or may not be the CMO. We're not sure because they kind of say he's not, but then have him do everything anyway. So yeah, yeah, up in the air. And then we have the amorphous then, bridge crew. Yeah, yeah, the amorphous, which is cool, which is weird because like you're looking at that bridge crew, and it's like a Star Trek trope where they're like. Hey, we're going to show you this bridge crew that's in the background that's super cool looking. Yeah. There's two cybernetic people and there's like an alien person in the background, but we're not going to tell you anything yeah. about them. Yeah. It's such a Star Trek movie thing to do. But on the show, you're like, when am I going to get to find about the girl with the cybernetic eye? Or like, when am I get to learn more about the complete cyborg girl that's uh, yeah, over there? Yeah. Like, well, it's Detmer and Arian. Yeah, right? yeah. I know the character. I know the character names. And they're like, <laughs> they. 
they I don't think they've ever given Reese anything to do, but Owosukun had one no. episode where she got to peg along for an away mission because she was part of like yeah. apparently when she was on Earth, she was part of a Luddite colony. Super interesting concept. Give it oh, given yeah. 30 yeah. seconds of yeah. screen yeah. time. Like go fuck yourself, show. This is well, that was was that yeah. not the was that not the episode on uh Saru's planet? No, no, that was the one they went to it was a Terralesium. Oh, right, 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 right. With, right. With yeah, yeah. yeah. They're they have a bridge crew that has a lot of potential, and they every time they try to tap that potential, they fucking squander it. And this is the prime example is goddamn Arium where they have an entire episode where they turn her into a, an excellently like fleshed out character and they turn her into a fucking tragic death in one fell swoop. And I was just like, Oh, Oh, here's this character that I'm supposed to care about now. And she's dead. It's sad because you almost care about Tasha Yar more right? than you care about her. I remember. Tasha, you know what I mean? And you don't care about Tasha Yar I remember Yar Yar's name. I remember like, Tasha Yar's name. Oh, shit. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. yeah. Well, because she fucked Data. That's Whoa. why you remember her name. That's basically the only thing she accomplished in that first season aside from getting yeah. the The treatment of the women on the first season of Next Gen is... Let's not get into it right now. <laughs> well, it's to be, and like comparatively speaking, the treatment of women on Discovery is like almost too far in the other direction with how badly written they are in terms of like Burnham and Empress Giorgio being these Mary Sue type characters. The, the, the villain Sue is also a character trope and Empress yes. Giorgio. <laughs> yeah. Giorgio turns into that very quickly. Uh, I didn't want to get into that. Until, Cause yeah. like in season one, it, it didn't bother me as much in season one, her character. Cause I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. And Michelle and Michelle, you obviously just having yeah. so much yeah. fun just chewing all the scenery yeah. around her. So I was like, she's obviously having a good time in season one, but by the time season two gets around and it's like, ugh, orange, I was like, get the fuck yeah. off the enterprise. Get the fuck. I'm here ship. for sassy Giorgio. I, I, no, I, I'll keep watching. No. Okay. All day. I was, I was on board because I love Michelle Yeoh so much. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is one of my I favorite too, movies though. ever. And she's amazing in it as Julianne. And, and, but when she starts hitting on Stamets and Colbert oh. and being all like, stop being so binary. You were like a pansexual, blah, blah, blah. It's coming off really like <laughs> soccer mom with too much white wine in her system. It was, <laughs> yeah, it, just, it totally did. It I totally was just did. like, please stop this. Well, her, please. <laughs> she, she was pretty fucking thirsty on uh, Orion, too. Oh boy, that's true. When they when they end up on no, it's, it's not Orion, it's Kronos. When they're on oh, Kronos, Kronos and they find the Orion, oh. Orion colony in season one. Oh my god! Yeah, in season one, where she goes, she like first of all, Tilly gets yeah, high. That was so. so I love that. And then, and then so she dumb. calls up Michael, and she's like, first off, come I'm on, man. She's supposed to be a fuck. She she's supposed to be an academy graduate, and she just randomly grabs a random fucking thing off somebody that's and just takes Tilly. it. I'm okay with that. God, wasn't that, that um, anyway? Like that was Clint Howard. That she pulls that from. I, that was cool. I w- that was I will give yeah, them that much. I'm like T- yeah, TOS uh, fucking cameo. TOS yeah. baby, yeah, Baylock. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I had a, I had a real problem with some of like the there's like we can. I'll just talk about it real quick. The behavior problems with some of the staff. Where like we talked about Burnham like running in and just interrupting everybody, but Tilly does it constantly too. Because there's a scene in season two where she like walks into Pike's ready room while he's in there with the admiral and just starts running her mouth, and they both look at her like um. You're an ensign. That's an admiral, and I am a captain. 
what the fuck? You didn't even yeah. chime Excuse the Excuse me, Mark. She's the youngest ever to be put through the command training <laughs> program. So obviously, I, super important. Starfleet's like 15 minutes old See, at this point. Like, I, who cares? Like, I'm okay matter. with this because, well, I mean, looking at it through the lens of like current times, we're looking at like trying to include more people that have like social uh, integration issues or like are on the autism spectrum or something like that into more like professional roles. And I, I think that that's kind of what they're trying to do to an extent with uh, Tilly is say like, okay, this is somebody who obviously has like social anxiety and like does not really know how to behave around other people, but she's still been able to, uh, you know, to go far or as far as she has so far in Starfleet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's your justification for her not being professional. Is that how we're doing this? That, I don't I'm like okay that with it. All. She shouldn't have made it through the academy then. Though. Like the point is, like the realism of the situation makes no sense to me because she should have learned. Even if she does ha- is on the spectrum, after five years at the academy or six or however long they spend at the academy, she should have learned to like rein it in before she got posted to a Well, you're now so. you're talking about a mental illness like it can be cured rather than integrated. I mean, yeah, but like you have to, you can't. You can't integrate somebody who can't work inside the structure that you're. Or you, or you, you change the structure, structure so that they can work yeah. within it. You, you have special, you have special allowances for people that. It didn't feel like they did either, though. It just felt like she was doing whatever she was wanting to do, and they were kind of commenting on it after the fact. And no, nobody was making a move to adjust mm-hmm. either way. It was just like it was happening, and we were just dealing with it. I feel it like they're giving her leeway because they know she's really smart and that she does not function well socially and so they give her more leeway than they might like somebody else that does not have those same barriers but anyways all right okay i I know that you're like coming at this from like the pure trek like i this has to be like a fully like militarized like chain of command kind of society it's not even military if i'm supposed to buy into a show where they're telling me there is a chain of command and nobody everybody just ignores it then well fuck like why that, even have a Star Trek show? Like, why do it? Because everybody always followed the chain of command in the original series and in TNG and in D Space Nine. No, but they got dressed down for not doing it. Like that—that's what I'm trying to say. Is like they—they they always get dressed down for not doing it. They may do the right thing and then get looped back around. But there's always that scene that they always like don't do in Discovery, where Data drags Worf in and freaks out on him for being inappropriate while he's in command, or Picard takes Riker aside and is like. You can't do that in front of the fucking staff anymore. Like that shit happens all the time on these shows. It never happens on Discovery. Well, Discovery like, seems to always, about. and this was one of my plot problems with the show. Discovery never seems to be under like normal conditions whatsoever. Like Discovery just yeah. goes from one crisis to the fucking next. Like, yeah. and yeah. it's just one, it's not realistic. And two, it's just, I'm not sure that that is what Star Trek is meant to be. Like, I'm not convinced that the idea of, season long arcs works on a fucking star Trek show, especially when they're still wanting to do these random, like one-off episodes that wreck the flow of that overarching storyline entirely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's talk about like the, the, these people must be so fucking exhausted and just ready to like, just die. And that actually even ties back in to like a point, like the same kind of point we were talking about where like, you don't get to spend any time with them because of that. Like you're always at this breakneck, like the mission is the most important thing. And again, like a Star Trek trope, and that's part of what helps you like the crew is those moments before the mission starts, like on the episode where at you're like po- at the poker game or on a holodeck or something like that. Uh, yeah, they're doing yeah. a poker game or like Picard's reading or like Data's painting, yeah. like yeah. that kind of stuff, right? Like you're doing or I we always we're talking too much TNG. I want to like broaden my <laughs> or or they're they're in quarks so, like, or something like that or 
Yeah. Yeah. Bashir and O'Brien are shooting darts, yeah. right? Like yeah. they're doing that kind of stuff. Like you get to have those moments where you get even, to like even Voyager, which was fucking stranded in the Delta quadrant had like those moments of levity where yeah. you get, you know, moments of calm, even though they're in an overall kind of crazy yeah. situation where you get to live with those characters a little bit mm-hmm. more and get to know them and how they behave when they're not facing crisis after crisis after crisis. And you know what? It's funny because this show, like what the one show that this does tie to that is not a Trek show that I always like, at least early on felt like I compared to the most was Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And even Battlestar had those moments where they would like pull back and you'd be like, it'd be the, the Admiral and the president just being like, are they in love? Just having a drink kind of shooting the shit. Yeah. And you got to kind of get a feel for the characters more. I don't feel like we've ever gotten a chance to do that with any of the discovery characters. And that yeah. leads back into that. Like everything's a crisis all the time. So you never get to, pull back and be like hey man everybody's in the lounge shooting like shooting the breeze and watching a movie like they used to do on enterprise yeah like let's the only come down and just hang out yeah the only place that i really got that was in the one short track the runaway you get you get a little bit of that with tilly and that Mm -hmm. you know and and i got some great fucking character development out of tilly out of that little uh vignette i mean like 15 minute or whatever thing yep yep but then, you know, like we've got the length of the the seasons with all of the plot that they're trying to cram in there. Like season one, there was three seasons of plot in season one, season one. Yeah, yeah. that's what well, I'm like, trying to what, say. Uh, yeah. So do we want to like what are those three seasons, those three plots? Because like you have Klingon the initial War. two episodes. Yeah. Well, you have the initial two episode kind of like movie, which is the, the pilot. pilot yeah. And then the Klingon War starts. Right. Yeah. And we haven't even really talked about uh, Jason Isaacs as Captain Lorca. Who like I was so excited that they cast him and then they ruined the character. Eh, oh god. I was okay with him. I didn't have really being a mirror. I didn't like that he was a mirror universe character, but I the whole time twist. Um yeah. I was okay with that twist. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't need them. To, I don't I don't need them to go to the mirror universe. Like it works as a 60s goofy thing where you're like, hey, miraculously everybody ends up in exactly the same job in this evil version of the universe. Yeah. yeah. Like, but when you keep doing it, you're like, how is this happening? Yeah, then you have a five episode arc. Yeah. About like, the mirror wow, universe, this is really weird. yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, they had so they had the Klingon war. They had the infighting with the Klingon houses, which was kind of a sub subplot of the war that I just didn't care about. And uh, the mirror universe was all in season one. Yeah, yeah, that's all season one. Do you? Before we go too far, if we're just going to do broad strokes at the top, what did you guys think of the Klingons? <sighs> they look cool. They all talk like they got fucking marbles in their mouths, and presumably, oh. Presumably it's because like the prosthesis and fake teeth or whatever. And it's not that they designed it to be like that, but like, it just, it makes them need to talk. I think it also needs the necessitates the actors having to talk annoyingly slow so that they can properly get the lines out. What? And they're also being forced to speak in Klingon, which is a tricky language to learn basically. And then like to do it with all that shit in your mouth is probably even harder. Yeah. And then they were also, and this is the real nerdy side of me coming out, but they were using a different accent than they would use. Like they had traditionally used in the old show. So they were changing the way, like the inflections of the words. So it's even harder because they couldn't have used the old As, tapes yeah, to, to learn, learn off the of, thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah every we're trying to do a different kind of pronunciation yeah. and that fucks. So every up. time I was listening to them speak in Klingon, it was just, uh, it was just distracting for me. It was annoying. It was slow yeah. acting through all that is damn near impossible. I, the, the line that I kept going back to is just like, they sound like fucking ants, like taking forever yeah. to say <laughs> anything at all. Yeah. yeah. And Agreed. I don't know what they were going for with the whole double nostril thing, but it ends up that just ended up looking like bad makeup for me. 
like they couldn't cover like, <laughs> they couldn't cover up the yeah. actor's nose entirely or something like that. Well, there's, I think it's I think it's a reference to the fact that like Klingons apparently have a double everything, like they have double anatomy. Like so that's that's why the one on Kronos when you see him pissing, there's two yeah, streams. two dicks. Yeah, because that was there's an in joke about that along like it goes back as far as like Deep Space where they were talking about like redundant stuff, and so when Jedzia and Worf mm-hmm. get married, somebody there is there is a comment about like how mm-hmm. it works um, physically at one point and that made everybody in the fan base be like wait the klingons also have two then <laughs> so apparently that's canon now and yeah. now at least two urethras <laughs> at the very least there's two streams happening right or so I, was, I remember when i watched that i was like yeah i mean i guess he could have like done some kind of weird thing but i was like it's forked i was like wow they went so they're they're so far into the fan service on this show that they even answered the fact that klingons had two dorks but like I know the klingons <laughs> have two dicks somehow but, but like they're into the fan service and then they just say fuck everything else kind of thing yeah. right like they're giving all these references yeah. like i guess that they were trying to go in terms of explaining why they look different from the original series klingons like they're saying you know this is one of the 24 houses looks like this and then the others all have their own distinctive looks or whatever and again it's a bunch of fucking retconning and yeah but they've already explained that or like that's been explained yeah. already twice kind of if you really want to look at it and like and really I hate that they did that. They should have just ignored it. They should never have answered. Yeah, it. Like, it's such a stupid but thing. The sarcophagus, wow. the the ship was pretty cool. I thought the the yeah, ship was pretty cool with the yeah. dead on their hulls and everything. I don't know. Like for me, with when it came to the Klingons overall, it was it was hard for me to keep my interest in them. Like I realized yeah. that they were supposed to be like this feudal a society, a little bit more like I don't know, just I. <laughs> <laughs> Use your words. Use your words. I, I don't know what you want to say. The, We're not going anywhere. It's just. I can edit. I, I think what Paul's trying to boring. say is who the fuck <laughs> let them use an all cap sans serif font for the Klingon subtitles? No, no, no. It was an all cap serif, serif font. Sorry, sans serif, serif fonts. That's, uh, that's what I have written yeah. down. Well, they don't. I said sans serif. They don't. They don't have that on Netflix. They use the standard Netflix Ugh. one, which is how Did I watch they? most of the series. So many of them, was, yeah. like I, okay. so many of them yeah. were hard coded onto the shows. Yeah, yeah. So like when we watch it on CBS All Access or the way I watch it in Canada on Crave, they are hard coded into that uh, the serif font yeah. they use, which I think is titling, but it's either whatever it is, it's fucking awful to read in long sentences and stuff. So I always have the subtitles on on Netflix because I go between so many like anime and regular shows that I like. I don't want to switch it all the time, so. I'll always have the captions yeah. on and so it was it was just because it's for it's not for english speaking audiences those subtitles it's for like international audiences they had to be like it had to be a sans serif standard mm-hmm. font okay. so I, yeah. I i didn't have to worry about that i just had to worry about the the general characterization and how much i didn't care about the klingons because i really didn't and uh, honestly like every there was so much going on on the Enterprise that, like the the squad, uh, Discovery, Discovery, Discovery on Enterprise. Uh, yeah. God forbid, we like heaven forfend, we actually be on the right ship, yeah, and be on Enterprise. So yeah. the the but. the squabbling between the houses, like I liked it in theory, but the execution was again. It, the, the, this is a show of so many good ideas that have has such poor execution yeah. that I yeah. just get I'm constantly frustrated watching it. The uh, especially with the Klingons, where like a lot of the stuff that they did with the Klingons was tropes and mm. stories that we've done with the Klingons a million times. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a little different, but it's still like how, between feudal house intrigue is something that they've been doing with the Klingons since yeah. TNG, like since they retconned the Klingons into the Viking samurai guys that they kind of are or were in nineties yeah. Trek, I guess. One thing I yeah. will say 
the cloaked uh, ship ramming the Europa during that initial battle, that was pretty fucking badass. Except, I don't think that fucking works in a vacuum. In a vacuum, does the Europa just not float away when it gets hit or struck by another ship? Nothing propelling it. They would have to tractor it yeah. and like pull it in pull as they it, were hold it in place while the Europa yeah, moves while they it. were smashing into it. Yeah, yeah. like I don't I, I, that made that made very little sense to me at all. But they've done ramming stuff in Trek before, where like the other ship doesn't move because they ram yeah. you ram the Sovereign like the Enterprise into the uh, fuck. What was that garbage ship called? <laughs> Scimitar, the Scimitar and Nemesis, and like the same oh, thing happens yeah. where like they just kind of get stuck together. Are you but, like, talking about you the Riker think- maneuver? Because that, uh, is that the ramming speed? Isn't that Riker's thing? Or is it that just... it would be Troy's the one who actually implemented the maneuver. So I don't know whose maneuver it was. I don't think he was on the bridge at the time either. Mm. No, the Riker maneuver was an insurrection where they used the, the joystick to dump the ram scoops. Oh, uh, right. That's the Riker maneuver. Oh, okay. They actually say that in dialogue in insurrection. In Nemesis, Picard gives the order to fucking ram the Enterprise into the Simitar. I thought there was a joking reference to the Riker maneuver being him crashing the ship. Like that he no, was, that's the Troy. Maneuver. Oh, that's the Troy, that's the Troy maneuver? maneuver. It's always because yeah. both times they crash an Enterprise in those movies. Uh, so like when they crash the saucer section, Troy has the calm. Yeah, when they crash the the so when they crash the saucer section of the galaxy in Generations, Troy's Generations. Troy's uh, at the con. Okay. okay, and then she takes the con when they blow out the front of the fucking bridge on the E in Nemesis, and the helmsman gets tossed out into space. She takes over the con then, and she's the one who takes the command for Picard to crash the Enterprise into the Scimitar. So. In the fan base, if Troy's taking the con, the ship's fucking dead. <laughs> like it's over. Yeah. Like that's the joke. So okay. I don't even know what we were talking about. We got weird. Into, like weird Star Trek weeds. Kling- Klingons ramming. <laughs> oh yeah, the ramming stuff. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. like that was cool. I mean, they did it like four times too. So I guess. Yeah. They they really enjoyed that visual. Yeah, and we're going back to how we were talking about like yes, there's like fucking three seasons of plot in this one season. Mm-hmm. I kept getting the feeling like they just couldn't settle on a genre. Mm-hmm. For the show overall, that's that's actually pretty like like true like factual based on like how much stuff they pulled from the fuller treatment over into the yeah. series. So like spore drive, like we can talk about the spore drive not making any actual sense because the spore drive yeah. was an idea that came from the fuller thing that didn't actually have to do with the propulsion system at all. Like it was a completely separate idea. But they were like, spore sounds cool. What can we do? We're like spore drive, and then it's like, well, now we got to mash all this stuff together and like spores living in space makes sense like i don't i don't know the science on it so well tardigrades are a race that have i mean they're obviously not that big but are a species that have uh, been shown to be able to survive in like really harsh conditions including vacuum in vacuums and stuff like that and spores can not necessarily survive and live in space or not necessarily actively live in space but can survive you know basically go into sort of what the like bacteria where it goes into like yeah, the, what the tardigrade does, where it goes in that like really desiccated state, okay, and, yeah. so that it can survive on and you know uh, basically when it gets rehydrated, it it becomes reactive again. So, sure. but yeah, I mean it. It I, I was kind of cool with that because it goes into like sort of you know time space uh, fabric of reality kind of theories, and they could have done it without doing the spore thing that makes no sense. Mm. Like it could have just been like this is a subspace jump drive. Like it's a different way of us attacking what we already use. I like the biological element to it. I thought I just didn't think it makes any sense that there's a biological element that runs through the entire universe. Like it, I I was like, okay, I mean, so you're willing. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) this is just, I know, I know exactly. Exactly. Is all it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) And, but it's just like, I'm so, we're so used to like subspace is one of those things where you're like, it's so nebulous and makes it like, it doesn't exist. So you can just kind of apply 
whatever logic they want you to apply to it. Whereas yeah. when you say spore, you're like, that's a living thing. That's a real thing. Does that work? It's not even that I don't think that it could work. It's just that I'm questioning whether it works or not. Whereas where you say like, oh, it's this new kind of subspace jump drive. I'm just like, cool. Because like, I don't know. It's <laughs> Star Trek shit. Subspace is Star Trek shit. It can just happen then. I don't have to go back and be like, spores, eh? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Whereas if they yeah. just said, like, they just say subspace, you're like, cool. Or they've just been like quantum swift slipstream. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds fast. So cool. Yeah. yeah. They make you're, it, you're not they, it together. and they make the spore drive such an integral part of certain parts of the plot. And then they forget about it when then it's not convenient. And when, yeah, exactly. That it's just like, we have to care about it so much where if they had just kind of been like, it's such an out there concept with, the just the concept of spores like they they were like so i think they were just so enamored with the idea of it that they made it super integral when they really shouldn't have and yeah like mark said if they had made it more generic yeah it would have been no one would have batted batted an eye but they turned it into this like thing this plot thing and it never landed and the fact that it's it further centralizes one of my least favorite characters, which is Stamets. Uh, you've, not, and... you've not talked about those two characters, and I was kind of curious. I don't know if I really want it on the podcast, but like your take on those two characters? <laughs> um, on the... Okay, on Stamets well... And yeah. Stamets... I like Culber so much. Yeah. I, I think Culber... Like, when they... Um, do the Pike show. Kill- so what you're saying yeah. is when they do the Pike show, you want him as CMO of Enterprise, uh, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so here, yeah, because they when they kill Culber off temporarily in oh my God. Uh, season one, freak out. I was like, I was just like, they killed the wrong gay. And Paul, they the only one of us can say that. Yeah, yeah. Because I okay, and he said it to me like I'm five not, times. It was great. Yeah. I was laughing in my chair. I'm not a big. F- I know that Anthony Rapp has gone through some horrible shit with the the Kevin Spacey stuff, mm. but as an actor, I find him kind of insufferable because he's been an insufferable character in Rent as Mark in Rent, which fuck no. And uh, was he an Ally McBeal guy too? Like I feel like he was one of those Ally McBeal people. Like he worked with. Like, who was that guy, the Alec McBeal guy? David Chase? No, that's somebody else. Whoever the Alec yeah, McBeal guy was, I feel like he was one of those guys that liked, like, that Stamets, like, the guy, the actor who played Stamets worked with before, too. I seem to remember him being yeah, the Alec McBeal guy. Maybe, but uh, I know him as Mark from Rent, who's the most insufferable character in the world, because he's such a shitbag whiner. <laughs> and then Stamets is just, like, no one appreciates how fucking smart I am all the fucking time. Why isn't everybody just <laughs> licking my dick because I'm so fucking smart? Look at spores. Oh, spores are the best. Shut the, f- shut the fuck up, Stamets. <laughs> shut up, Stamets. They literally gave you a character that answers that like next the next year, though, right? Like, they gave you Reno oh, to fucking offset him. Thank yeah, God. Yeah. Like, they basically put her that character and they're like, man, everybody really kind of hates Stamets. What do we do? I'm like, put a snarky engineer who's like a legit Starfleet engineer that hates him in there. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, and that, all the people take so- his shit. Yeah, and then all the Trek fans are like, yeah, I like that character because she's just like a Scotty. She's just like, no, we're going to fuck. No, whatever you're doing is dumb. You're going to blow up the ship. Stop doing dumb shit. Oh, speaking of Scotty, one of my favorite Lorca moments was when he slips into the Scottish accent uh, in the Mirror Universe. That was great. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, because when when Reno shows up, it's like 
the the super high strung gay guy getting uh, put in his place by the super pragmatic lesbian, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, butch, please. This is so it is so right. Like Tig Notaro is just amazing. <laughs> I love her so much, and she's one of the characters on the show where I'm like, I just want more scenes with you. Like yeah. I, there are there are she's Culber, a fish, Reno. Yeah. I, and I want to put them on the Enterprise show with Pike. And just have, <laughs> my my, and my pitch to Paul just, at one point was like, I'm like, okay, so you're telling me if we took Pike, number one in Spock, and gave them Chief Engineer Reno and CMO Culber, the new Star Trek show with Pike is your favorite Star Trek show of all time. 100%. So there you go. Because <laughs> eventually you have to replace, eventually you have to replace Culber with Bones or whoever. Yeah, you have to replace Culber with Bones. And then so Bones and, and Spock can do stuff with Pike before Kirk shows up, yeah, and then eventually Scotty yeah. shows up and replaces Reno. Then there's that and ancient fucking dude from from the cage. Yeah, but you can have multiple CMOs. Like you can have multiple doctors on your yeah. ship. He maybe the like Culber was on vacation visiting Stamets that week on Discovery. <laughs> or no, I guess that yeah. doesn't track because they're in the future now. But like whatever, yeah, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, yeah. And I would also like Saru on a show where he's not constantly like at odds with Burnham and that's his only thing except for the one episode that actually was not very good and but it was more Saru so I was happy um, <laughs> oh shit that... but the one the one where he gets all possessed on that planet that was fucking terrible yeah uh, Saru's actually the character that, that I most garbage. want to end up on the Picard show because I feel like he feels like a TNG character that has not mm-hmm. actually been allowed yeah. to develop into a proper character yet so yeah. I've been I, I was really happy with Saru overall like in season I, two I was much happier with him yeah yeah, he's a good, got a good arc overall, especially like, you know, losing his ganglia, finding out that his whole species is living a lie and everything. That was yeah. pretty cool. But yeah, that fucking episode where he's under the influence of the fucking bullshit glowy blue clouds, which are different than the glowy blue spore clouds, yeah. by the way. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, there is some effects weirdness in that. Like for a show that is so like meticulously put together in terms of the effects and like the production and stuff. Sometimes they make weird little mistakes where you're like, everything else is so meticulous. How'd you drop the ball on that? Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about that. Like we've been fucking shitting on this show for a while. And we haven't and even got, got to season two yet, yeah. right? Like we haven't <laughs> even is. talked about Pike. So, <laughs> but this show is pretty as fuck. Oh God. <laughs> like it looks beautiful. The effects, the ships, the uniforms, the makeup, yeah. the interiors, production design is obviously really high. I just fucking wish they would have spent more time on a cohesive vision for the show and on the fucking writer's room instead. Yeah, I I completely agree. Like before we even started, like I wanted to say like, I am such a sucker for this universe being shown to me at this level of fidelity. And we were talking about it before the episode started that like, I think my first viewing of this show was so colored by them showing me Star Trek so pretty that like I was ignoring basically everything around it. Yeah, because I was just like, holy shit. Look how fucking cool all these ships look. Like, can I have that? I want give me that phaser. Because that phaser looks baller. Like everything was just like, this looks amazing. Yeah. Give it all to the, me. And by the time I watched it again and was rewatching it, I was like, holy shit, nobody wrote this. It's just like stringing effect <laughs> shots together. It it's sucks. A bunch of fucking monkeys. Yeah, like what yeah. the fuck's going on? Like we I, I was we, telling I people remember- to watch this show. Like, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Like I remember um, us talking about the art direction and how the writers should have talked, spoken to the art department about Star Trek history so they could have gotten, because the the show feels so Star Trek in its visuals, but elevated that the writer and everything in the writer's room is like, 
we have an idea of Star Trek, but nothing fucking works. Like it's just such a disparity that it's so frustrating. (laughs) I feel like, because that would be the job I would want on a Star Trek show. And that's actually the job I've been applying for on, on, because the CBS studio where they shoot Star Trek and do all this production is in Toronto. So I've been in constant, just trying to get in. Like that's what I want to do. But I have this thought in my head where I'm like, I know I would have exactly that problem because I'm such a Trek, just fucking Trek nerd that I'd be sitting around designing whatever interface for them and like talking to the guys about like designing the next ship or this, that, and the other thing. And then I hear about the script and I'd be like, why are you doing this? Be like, Can I go <laughs> consult on the scripts too? Like, please. Cause like at the very least I know star Trek enough that like, if I see a script, I can be like, none of this, this doesn't track. You need to change this to this and then it'll yeah. still work. And your story's the same, but it's not going to infuriate an entire fan base. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, like the visual, the visuals of the show is just like, it's so good. So, and and for me at least, this is the first Trek series or movie. Well, maybe not movie. Some of the movies are fucking hot trash, but looked pretty. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first Trek series that is really style over substance. Yeah. Like it looks, it looks beautiful, but the writing just isn't strong. A lot of the time, the writing feels just overwrought. Like they've just tried way too hard to intertwine eighteen different plots, and none of them really are satisfied. Yeah, the, the, everything lands with such an astounding, like, Bud. meh. It's yeah, a, yeah it just thuds all around. The Klingon war is resolved in the most, like, just whatever way possible. Weirdly non-Starfleet uh, way, too, with the bomb. I was like, that's not, that's a weird, that's a Section 31 move, not a, like, yeah. that's not a Starfleet uh, well, don't, move. Don't get me started on Section 31. Well, we haven't even <laughs> talked. Honestly, we're 90 minutes in this episode. Nobody's even mentioned Ash. Like, we haven't even brought him up. We Fuck. Do you want I don't want to. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Because then I, right after that, we're going to do that. That's the last thing we get to bitch about. We're going to talk about Captain Pike and we're getting the fuck out of here because that's all I want to talk about. Because we got to talk about Harry Mudd, too. Oh, no, I mean, we'll talk about season two. We'll get into season okay. two because they had really good mud stuff in season two. Yeah, Ash, Ash slash Vok is possibly the worst written character in Star Trek history. It's also maybe the worst acted main character in Star Trek yeah. history also, which is sad. He, so. he should be interesting, but I just get bored whenever he's on screen. I'm not sure if it's the writing, the actor, a combination of both. He and Michael have no fucking chemistry whatsoever. His whole, his whole PTSD situation, okay, some of that was interesting run kind of true but they also didn't do anything they didn't they didn't explain it enough really because you never really get in depth in like what's going on all of a sudden he's the head of section 31 but he's still got a a klingon guy stuck half you get eight different you get eight different analogies for how him and vok are like transposed on each other right like one person says it one way one person says another i'm like how the fuck like this is not an easy concept to grasp and they did not make it any easier in the way that they explained it. And the, and, and they've done this, like they, they do the surgical like alteration plot in star Trek a lot, like especially going yeah. like into TOS and TNG and stuff. So I guess if this is the first time historically it's happened, then that's one thing, but they play it off as just like something you can do all the time, like 10 years down the road that like him having this huge stress point about it. That's like, like they're going to make, Kirk a fucking Romulan in like 15 episodes. So like, what's why we, okay. Yeah. You know, like why is he all traumatized out? I don't understand. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, it was just, just a fucking absolute mess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the worst part about the whole thing, like the romance 
part of it the fact that it, it's on top of all the fuckery of his identity and like everything tim said was right and they still managed to shoehorn him into a love tri- rape triangle love rape triangle, yeah what the fuck it's like why what what yeah. was the purpose of like all of that and, and then was- and then michael gets all fucking stockholm syndrome because like she's like you know in love with the klingon out. exactly yeah. finds out she's in love with the klingon she's like oh what have i done i can't hurt him i still love him but he's everything that i hate yeah yeah god damn god damn it's like hashtag right. not my star trek right like oh, it was, was god damn I, I want there to be a fucking like uh, re- rewrite of this show that just cuts him out entirely. Uh, I think that's going to be Star Trek Pike. Is <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it, no, I, unfortunately, like, that Section 31 show is going to happen and like, it's going to be like compounding two of my least favorite characters on this show together. Yeah. Hit, I'm going to be like, am I going to be able to watch this? Because like, mm. yeah, yeah. Like I said in chat, unless they basically pick a cast of people that I love to like support these other two characters like this is gonna be a hard show for me to get through yeah can i just say that if i could get a show that was captain philippa giorgio instead of empress giorgio i would be on board for michelle yo running her own show and uh going back on the shenzo and and just doing like a normal star trek show like just going she would be so good i was so like i was just in love with her character in the the pilot i really really wanted to see more of her and when she came back as you know, Empress, Empress. badass, slutty wine mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like chewing the scenery and doing her best. But like, I the the writing, like she, de- Michelle Yo deserves better. And everybody on this show deserved better, to be honest. So. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, it, this like, franchise every- deserves better. Like for fifty fucking years. The show deserves, like, Star Trek deserves better, period, so. And it's so clearly the writer's room that's having this issue. Like, it's mm-hmm. we like it's so obvious where the problem lies, and, like, it's just, but it's so fundamental to the show, and, like, yeah. now what that sh- the show is, which is this breakneck pace adventure series instead of, like, the, the character ensemble cast. Thoughtful, like, character ensemble, yeah. That yeah. it should be, that it's just, like... Well, okay. This is, I guess, this is the again. It's the trek that we deserve instead of the trek that we need. But whatever, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. But let's talk about Captain Pike. <laughs> can we can we talk about Captain Pike now? So we so we we bitched about season one of Discovery apparently for an hour. So why don't we move into season two where? All these problems still exist, but they put this fucking coat of paint on top of it. That is the enterprise <laughs> and captain Pike that again, totally distracted me for an entire year. Like just <laughs> again, I was like, man, I like this captain Pike character so much that it was 10 episodes into the season before I realized I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> the writing is still trash. Yeah. The writing's still <laughs> shit. It's just that I'm so in love with Anson Mount that I don't care that much. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, he's dreamy. And oh number two, like, he's just like, he's nice to watch on screen, not just like physically, but he, he, I like his acting. I think that, like, man, it's, it's, it's nice to have a real Star Trek captain on the show after a year of not, right? Yeah. yeah. And also to have a, he was so underserved on that damn Inhumans show, like, giving oh, him yeah. a. Giving him a character where he's not allowed to fucking talk is just stupid because he's so charming. Mm-hmm. And I really, I like his interactions with 
the admiral the admiral and i actually really like the admiral character i, cornwall. I constantly yeah, cornwall. Yeah. yeah she's good cornwall she's good um and i generally think that a pike show is a much more appealing prospect to me than fo- continuing to follow the discovery cast unless they decide to explore some of the bridge crew and some other characters i want to say like they have no choice but to do that going forward given like what they've kind of written them so like the corner they've written themselves into but i yeah. feel like they still won't you know what i mean like i feel like i'm gonna watch season three being like they could really potentially take this cast and like finally do voyager properly they are stranded way far away from home also temporarily displaced way far away from home i should get to know this cast the same way i know the battlestar cast i doubt yeah. they're gonna do that like i don't yeah. think it's gonna happen i don't think that writer's room strong enough for like to realize that that needs to happen so Sad. Yeah, it's very it's very sad and unfortunate. But at least they got they got Pike right, and he he's so right that it makes everyone else seem more wrong in comparison. But. <laughs> I think I, I, when I rewatched the season, that was kind of my takeaway. I'm like, I enjoy Pike so much that like I hate everybody else more now. Like this is the Discovery crew <laughs> themselves. I'm like, man, him being on this crew makes me fucking hate the staff even more than I did yeah. last year when I hated the captain too. <laughs> that sucks. Like that makes this real hard to watch. So yeah, because if they if they the discovery crew got focused on more, then they could like let us breathe with the other characters and maybe retool. You know, Tilly Stamets a little bit and like yeah. br- like and Burnham tone sure. like, tone down. It just toned down how important all three of them are to like yeah, all and, the stories. Yeah, br- bring uh, Detmer and Reese and Wosakun to the foreground a little bit yep. and and Bryce. Let that let them be like people a real I'm, like, star trek ensemble is what yeah, you're trying to ask for because yeah, <laughs> there there seems to be some really interesting points here and there where it would have been really cool to have and like they interact well with pike because like anson mountain seems to have really good chemistry with the whole cast okay. um, what, i mean i think he's like uh it's like what, what who has the joke where it's like oh it's jeff from uh, community he's like it's chemistry britta i have it with everybody like that's basically <laughs> anson mount's the story of Anson Mount walking around the, dis- the discovery set. It feels like every time you see him with a new character, you're like, oh, I wonder how that's going to work. You're like, oh no, it works perfectly because he's so fucking perfect as a human yeah. that he just has yeah. awesome chemistry with everybody and it works. So yeah, that's interesting. Maybe we should have tried that, you know, having a character who's that likable as the lead of the show. <sighs> we don't want to talk about female likability because that's like a whole can of worms. Oh, okay. So likability uh, versus, Maybe not made her so goddamn important. Watchability, like having, yeah, I guess watchability. Yeah, well, I'm leaving find... this in because, like, I still find like, I do not find just because of the way the character is, and I'll get, I'll take all the shit. I don't find the character likable because of just how well then they... by providence she is. Exactly, it's so and it's, it gets even worse in the fucking second season, right? Like, yeah, the red angels around her, red angel, and. God, and it was compounded by the fact that I really did not like the actress that they had playing her mother. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. like she, she, her fucking acting was like monotone. It was it was overacted, but it was overacted and somehow monotone at the same fucking time. It was almost like what I how I describe like how I described Shatner last week, where he's like over yeah. under overacting and then underacting as severely as he usually yeah. does. Like it's very strange. Or and what did I say? He's un- she's underacting as over as extremely as he usually overreacts overreacts kind of thing yeah and so all of that made basically what was to be the climax of this whole season the big reveal of this season just made that whole fucking thing fall fall flat for me oh Mm -hmm. see what made it fall flat for me was the fact that it felt like they were gonna start doing the borg like as soon as they started doing like the nanites and stuff with like the green glow and control and yeah Yeah, like with control i was like oh shit they're gonna loop this back around so hard 
this is going to be the origin story right. of Korg, and I'm going to kill myself at the end. Of it. Yeah. Thank God they didn't do that. There's still time. Yeah. Although, yeah, I know. <laughs> It was like the resolution to the control arc was the same as the Klingon arc where um, Empress Giorgio solves the problem again by being Empress Giorgio and uh, I don't know. By being more like being a shitty person compared to the Starfleet person, right? Yeah. Like she's by not adhering to Starfleet, like whatever you want to call wars. it, morals or whatever. Yeah. Wars, yeah. She solves the problem that the Starfleet guys are just too fucking good uh, to handle, which you can't, I guess you can't do in a show anymore um, oh. like the good guys are just good guys uh, especially not a show that is you know within striking distance of the original series which was entirely that yeah especially yeah, yeah especially the original series which was just like hey hero cowboys in space like go to town like that's yeah. what that show was and then it's supposed to be 10 years removed from that and everybody's just like a shitty shade of gray it doesn't it i mean storytelling yeah. in 2019 versus the 60s is one thing so like i can't totally sit there and shit on it because then you're like but that this show doesn't look like that show so there's a huge problem like yeah yeah the, the, the visual accuracy guys like you're out of your fucking mind like no that's not cool at all but i don't know yeah you're right like it it, it doesn't track when you're supposed to be like 10 years out if they've done this show 10 years after nemesis and instead of tied her to spock tied her to Oh, yeah. who's another Vulcan that would have been alive? Oh, I guess there's the Vulcan that was on fucking Voyager, right? You could have done um, Tuvok. Tuvok. Sorry, I can't remember his name. You could have used Tuvok, and then it's a less popular character, but it's still tied into Trek mythology. Yeah, and yeah. you don't make her like making her Spock's sister just makes her too important to the universe. Yeah. Whereas if you make yeah. her Tuvok's like stepdaughter, who gives a shit? It's like who gives a shit? Yeah, and then everybody's like, "Oh my god, we're gonna get Spock," except we don't really. We get like one episode of actual Spock at the end of the season, and then we get a rest of the season of crazy fucking like you know all fucking rot Spock because yeah for whatever reason well, post death Spock because they wanted to do movie Spock they didn't want to do series Spock where he's just like awesome like yeah. basically series Spock is basically the best Starfleet officer on the planet yeah like, that's what he is and he like I I just watched all of that show so like ninety percent of the solutions on that show come Spock from him with, it's always yeah. Spock. like spock's always the guy who comes up with them whereas here like he is like the fucking problem for half of the season yeah. he's going yeah. around and finding but, him and then he fucks off again and but he's also as imperious and pompous as uh burnham, as burnham is yeah. like, he's just as bad as her and he's just as unwatchable and unlikable as her and i yeah. i really like spock too like i've seen the yeah. original series he's my favorite character on that series along with bones and yeah. in the 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 kelvin verse Spock is my favorite character as well. Zachary along Quinto does a good job. Yeah, along with Bones, because <laughs> I want them to make out. But whatever, that's beside the point. <laughs> who doesn't want to watch Carl Urban make out with everybody? I mean, right. who? But, who? but oh. watch, watching these two fucking imperious, pompous dipshits argue with each other like children for half a fucking season. Especially when their big fucking conflict is like an eight-year-old's argument. Like, yeah. It's so dumb. That like yeah. when they actually got around to showing what their conflict was, I was like, that was pointless. Like that was the stupidest uh, thing I've ever seen. Especially for being, you know, both of these people who are supposed to be raised to overcome emotion and, you know, fucking look at things logically and everything. Yeah. 
and be professional Starfleet officers who are way into like the command yeah. level. Like they're in yeah. their 30s or 40s or some shit like that. And they're still having arguments about something that happened when they were eight. Like Yeah. And what also oh. didn't it also didn't come to its natural conclusion when they should have should just should have like kind they kinda said that it was Sarek's fault, but it was really Sarek's fault, and they still kind of land on like we're we're both at fault here. Yeah. They they were as adults because they are adults making their own choices, acting like children. But Sarek yeah. fucked them both up pretty fucking hard. Yeah. Sarek's actually a really like notoriously piss poor father though. Like if you actually watch how he treats all of his kids throughout all of these series, because he shows up in all of them now. Yeah. Because he's the most important character that has ever existed in Star Trek. <laughs> Fuck Kirk and Spock. Sarek. He's not in But Voyager. he's raised a bunch of... No, that's true. He's not. They mentioned his name four times, though. <laughs> so, like, he's the most referenced character in Star Trek. He gets referenced yeah. in Deep Space Nine a bunch, too. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed they didn't reference him in Enterprise. He hadn't even been born yet. Or maybe <laughs> yeah. had just been born when that happened. But... Yeah. The fucking yeah, like, he's, daddy he's a shit. He's a shit dad. Like, he's been a shit dad. Like he's a, You see him as a shit dad in TOS when he won't acknowledge Spock when he shows up in season one yeah and now we're gone back past that a couple times now and we've shown him to be a shit father yeah before we found out about spock's like career and and on top of it fucking he's got part of his soul grafted onto michael burnham apparently yeah but he's also got part of his soul grafted onto captain picard <laughs> later on too right like he's such a burden that he ends up fucking up the next crew yeah. of the enterprise 100 <laughs> years down the line so like it's very interesting the way they handle the 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 Sarah character. Yeah, he's just beast. like they they always want to make him like the paragon, but they yeah. always end up making him the biggest asshole in the franchise. Yeah. It's baffling yeah. to me. So well, and then underserving poor Amanda through. I love Mia Kirshner. I was like, yeah, I love. Oh, Mia Kirshner's great. Yeah, she's. I love her in Exotica. She's the only part of the Black Dahlia that doesn't want to make me tear my fucking eyes out. Yeah. So like, I was really excited to see her on my screen, and for the most part, I really like her interactions because they make sense. And then the whole thing about protecting Spock and her just deciding to like, she's so emotional about it that it's just like eye rolly. I was yeah. like, no, don't do that. No, not Mia, please. No, it was, it was another one of those like, Oh, great casting. I love like the idea of her and she's doing it's so great. And then, Oh fuck, they fucked it up. And it's a character I'm super interested in too, because you don't really get a, to see a lot of Amanda in the original series or the movies or anything like that. Like you don't deal with that yeah. character a lot. So it's cool to be able to go back in and be like, we're gonna give you a little bit more of this character that like is fairly significant because she's Spock's mom and we talk about Sarek every second episode <laughs> of every Star Trek show. So we need to like giving her more depth was really nice to finally see after basically fifty years of kind of ignoring her or just like offhandedly yeah. mentioning her. Um giving her like letting her be Mia Kirshner and like actually giving her a role yeah. is cool but then they didn't really do well, it well the, the thing is that she is exclusively like mother and wife and that's pretty much the only thing about yeah. her and that eventually that started getting like she she guested on a significant number of episodes and then it was just kind of like who are you besides this breeding super stock for mother. Spock yeah <laughs> What's actually kind of funny is I kept forgetting I kept seeing Mia Kirshner's name in the opening credits and every time I saw it I was like who the fuck is she playing right. again like I kept forgetting who she was playing until she showed up as Amanda and I was like oh right why do I why can I not like they just did so little with her that I didn't, it didn't well, she matter she had plenty of screen time so. it just wasn't ever good <laughs> she did like, yeah. it, it was never yeah. really consequential like they've got her reading fucking like Alice in Wonderland to Michael to make Michael more interesting and shit like that and 
Oh, yeah. don't get me started on the the Lewis Carroll thing because oh, they, they needed to do more work to make uh, yeah, exactly make Michael things. Michael wasn't interesting and important yeah, like, enough already. <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. I, <laughs> that, that was the point I was yeah. trying to get to. My brain was not letting yeah. me get there. Do you want? Do you have anything else to say? Sorry. Well, just like because we're talking about that Alice in Wonderland thing, the whole thing of like Sarek being like, "You shouldn't have read Alice in Wonderland to Spock when he was a child. It ruined him." I'm like. Alice in Wonderland is the reason that Spock is a fucking. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? This is like some. This is something that was uttered on the show, and I'm just kind of like. At that point, I remember just like fucking. I was holding my remote, and I fucking threw it in the air. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? Flip the fucking yeah. table. I remember. I remember when that line got said. I'm like, "Are you seriously like trying to take a shot at one of the most like historically relevant characters in this franchise, uh... just because like your plot point like dictates that he's a little squirrely right now, like?" Why are we doing this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, that like, should be the fucking tagline for the show. Why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. The series. Star Trek fucking, Discovery. I guess. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Star Trek Discovery boldly going where it doesn't fucking make sense. <laughs> I guess that kind of wraps up our Star Trek Discovery review episode, which oh. didn't turn into anything positive and just turned into us bitching for an hour, which is kind of what I expected it would turn into when I started rewatching the show. So why don't we uh, kind of wrap this up? Give your final thoughts. Did we miss anything that we need to talk about? We talked about Pike. Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd. See, that's why Tim's on this Fuck, show. That is one of the best parts of this show so far. Like, his short trek was fucking outstanding. Yeah, agreed. Where he's got all, it introduces a bit of a problem for me, continuity-wise, yeah. but there are many <laughs> fucking continuity problems in that, like, apparently he can make human androids with no problem, where clearly, like, that is still an issue in TNG. Yeah. Because data, like, they're making data, and data is not you know, can't mimic a person yeah. properly and shit like that. And the data character introduces a lot of problems with like when you introduce it into the continuity that TOS kind of introduces, because there's so many androids in TOS that Kirk that are seduces, seduces yeah. and then like destroys kind of thing by logic yeah. bombing them or whatever, or he fucks and then destroys. I don't know. It's all, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, Captain Kirk. Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd was genius. Genius casting. Yeah, genius casting. The, the time loop episode was one of my favorites. It fucking interrupted the flow of that season like crazy, which is why I think that Star Trek should not have like these overarching, you know, or at least not these like here, this episode bumps up right against the next one yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. See, like I, I always like whenever you say that, I'm always like Deep Space did this perfectly for like seven years. So like I have no problem yeah. with Star yeah. Trek doing a serialized thing. I think you just need to have the breathing room. And you have to write the breathing room into it too. Like you can't, yeah, exactly. You can't just be like a string of shit. It has to be like things are happening. But like when you end an episode, something is done, and then when you start the next episode, give them that five minutes where like, yeah, Pike walks onto the fucking bridge with a cup of coffee and shoots the shit with his staff before the Klingons blow up a planet around them or some yeah. nonsense. You know what I mean? Don't do it Marvel Netflix style where the whole fucking season takes place over the course of like two days yeah. or some shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that was so that's a little crazy. Yeah, and I I can't finish without shouting out Tilly more. I fucking love Tilly. I find her really endearing. I think that she's a personality type we've never seen before on track. Like her little outburst uh, when they're first working with the spore drive of uh, you guys, cool. this is so fucking cool. Yeah. Like <laughs> that is the perfect first f shot on a Star Trek series, yeah. and and like it perfectly embodies that idea of just like her boundless enthusiasm and what probably all of us look at when we're looking at star trek like oh my god like look at what these guys are doing this yeah. is so fucking yep. awesome yeah like she is the vehicle character for this series yeah. for me yeah yeah i yeah. think yeah That's you're right. right and i i think we gave short trip to tilly because of like that her issues with the chain of command are a little bit questionable <laughs> but like 
there are so many potentially amazing things on this show that just fall so fucking flat and or and <sighs> like they make good things bad with the stroke of a pen and this is the like i will i will defend a lot of the ideas on this show i will defend the art direction on this show because it's fucking gorgeous but i like the the plotting and the characterization is so muddled it's so baffling mm -hmm. the choices are so wrong that i cannot recommend it to anybody unless you're just looking at pretty star trek because it's just yeah, unless you're just like, oh my god, I need more right. Star Trek. And even then, you, which apparently is what is apparently where I was at when the yeah. show started. <laughs> Sorry, boys. And let's be honest, Mark and I at least are going to keep watching yeah. this fucking thing. I will watch. <laughs> and like, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to watch, and I'm not going to ask you guys to, to fucking do episodes about it, but I will continue to talk about yeah. the shows because it's Star Trek, and we do a geek yeah. podcast. Somebody needs to be talking about I this shit. I'm sorry. It is Star Trek, and we are... Yeah, it's, it's so. one of the two largest sci-fi franchises of all time. I yeah. want to talk about it, because I, but I think that this show, it just, it underserves its fan base. Like, they have a built-in fucking Agreed. huge fan base, and it underserves them. Because I'm not a huge Trek fan, I'm somewhere in the middle, and this show uh, should probably appeal to me, because it is basically, like, um, the the diverse Star Trek greatest hits. Star yeah. Trek greatest hits with a great diverse cast. It has a fucking gay couple on it who are, a, and I still like they managed to fuck up one of the gay <laughs> characters because mm -hmm. uh, insufferable. But but that's yeah, Hugh Culbert for life. Th that's kind of what I'm saying is is that they're both trying to they're trying to have their cake yeah. and eat it too, right? They're trying to like hook it, you know, keep all these old school Trek fans happy while also trying to appeal to. Kelvinverse fans, like the new guys that came in, like well, in that. Not, not only that, but non Star Trek yeah. fans, right? They're trying to hook a new generation on Trek by making it more like a Netflix show or like Game of Thrones or something like that. And it's just not like they're just not serving either of those populations yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I think you could do one or the other. I think you could do both potentially. Like I think there is a world where you can do a Netflix style serialized Star Trek that works. Yeah, I just don't think that they quite have the formula down. Well, and I show. and yeah. I don't think that from what maybe what I want from the show or even what the show was seemed to be promising, but then delivered. Like I still want my like more episodic ensemble cast show yeah. because they, that's what they occasionally promise on this show, and then they the the big pl overarching plot tumor fucks it up, and so it yeah. just gets bogged down in its own narrative and it doesn't serve anybody and and yeah. i it's just i i really want this show to be better and i know how it could be better but like because the the problems are pretty glaringly obvious and we've talked about them at length but it, like i just don't see them like they might be course correcting with the whole like we're not we will never speak of the spore drive again under penalty of death thing. They they <sighs> arm and Tanzarian the the entire plot of the first two seasons. Sure. Fuck me. So okay. So nothing I've watched in the last two seasons matters, and they haven't built up the characters yeah. in a way that I like a lot of them, so why should I stick around? And, and that's been one of my biggest sticking points is 
that it has so many nice nods, links, callbacks to the other series clearly wants people to think like, yes, this is straight in continuity with all the other like original, uh, prime original universe, universe Trek, yeah. prime, prime universe, Star Trek stuff that you've grown up with love and everything. But then there's all the goddamn inconsistencies and anachronisms that just fucking throw all that shit right out the window. And they just never, they keep saying, yeah, we're going to address it. We're going to address it. We're going to address why this ship looks better than all the others and shit like that. There's, you know, advanced technology, whatever, but it's never happened. And now I think what it was is that fucking hand wavy. Like, yeah, now we don't ever talk about discovery because it was ordered sealed. Now we don't talk about the spore drive ever. None of these people ever existed. We're just going to expunge all their records and everything. And fuck that. Yeah. Yep. It's so hand wavy. Yeah. Agreed. I don't really have final thoughts because I'm kind of stuck in this weird loop where I'm like, I still want to say I like the show because it is star Trek. But now that I've watched it like three times, I don't overarchingly enjoy it. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't yeah. even recommend it the way I was recommending it before we got to do the review. Because what I was watching and enjoying before I sat down to critically watch it was basically just the the coat of paint on it. Yeah. Which Yeah. It's a sheen on a pile of plot shit. Yeah, it's it is. And it's like they they just happen to have done a show in a universe where I care so much about the universe that showing me the universe looking this pretty distracted me from the fact that they didn't understand the universe to write it, which sucked at the end and then they did all this stuff to kind of course correct in the second season they bring pike in they start actually show you spock all this other stuff and it still falls apart broadly mm-hmm. to the point where like the finale like i watched the, like the last two episodes again uh yesterday just so they were fresh in my mind before we came into this episode and all i could think about was like why did they not build the enterprise out of the door material yeah. like that was my last thought yeah. about it <laughs> was why was the door that Captain Pike standing behind of invincible to that photon torpedo when the rest of the ship wasn't. And if that is the case, why is the entire enterprise not built out of that stuff? Yeah. And that's where I, and that's where I brain him. Why it's why you can't make everything out of uh, cap shield, I guess. Yeah. But like they never say that. And it's just so bizarre that it distracts me from the rest of the thing that I was just like, because when you, I remember watching the finale and the first thing I fucking sent to Tim was just like sweet, Mother of Jesus, this is beautiful. I've never seen Star Trek look this good. Even the Kelvin mm-hmm. stuff did not look this good to me. Yeah, well, you couldn't see half of it because of all the fucking lens flares. Yeah. There was yeah. that too. Plus, the designs of the ships didn't really work <laughs> for me too much. Like they, they were just too Apple-y. Like I'm not a fan of the the Kelvin redesigns of all the ships overall. Um, so, like when they showed me the new like this Enterprise, where it's just like a, a higher def render of like the real ship with like, some more odds and ends on it, I'm like, perfect. That's what I wanted. That's the best Enterprise I've ever seen, except for the refit, because the refit's gorgeous. But yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. I wish this was the Star Trek I wanted it to be, as opposed to the Star Trek that it ended up being, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's the Star Trek that we deserve. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's where the world is. This is the Star Trek that I get now because this is what the world deserves. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. All right, guys. We did it. We finally, after two years, talked about Star Trek Discovery. And it was as disappointing as I was expecting it to be. So that's good times. <laughs> Let's move on to Geek Cred and finish this episode out. So why don't we start? We'll start with Paul again. So what do you recommend for this week, Paul? Um, I have been finally like sitting down and reading novels again. <sighs> because it's been, I, I don't know why. I've been like, the longest things that I've tended to read lately are like 
Netflix descriptions of TV series. So like I've been, <laughs> I've really been bad about reading lately and I'm an English literature major guy. So that this used to be my life, like just reading stuff, mm-hmm. but I've been getting back into the works of Ursula K. Le Guin. She's done the earth sea stuff, but I just reread the left hand of darkness, her 1969 novel. And it's still fucking amazing. So go to read The Left Hand of Darkness because it's great sci-fi. And Ursula K. Le Guin is a fucking, she was a genius and one of the best sci-fi writers ever. So go do Earthsea and Left Hand of Darkness because she's amazing. There you go. Nice. Cool. Uh, Tim, I'm going to recommend a comic shop this week. So I was, like I said earlier, I was in Savannah this week for uh, work. And while I was there, one of my internet friends said, oh, you should go check out this friend of mine who just opened a brand new comic store in Savannah uh, that literally just opened up like last weekend. Nice. So it was maybe a mile away from my hotel. So I went to it and had a good chat with the guy, said, you know, so-and-so recommended that I come here and uh, it's called Neighborhood Comics. It's if anybody knows Savannah at all. It is literally like a couple blocks away from Forsyth Park near a lot of the Savannah College of Art and Design buildings and stuff like that. So he's pulling in a lot of those like art school nerds and stuff like that. And he said literally that basically Batman has been like the hottest selling title on all of like the diamond charts and everything for years now, basically since Scott Snyder and now Tom King have been writing it. But he says he's hardly selling any Batman because he's got all these art school nerds. He's selling all kinds of like image books and shit like that. All this like weird indie kind of uh, so he sells the stuff that, shit. that Paul and I read, uh, yeah. where you're used to going to a comic store where they read what you read, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and he's like, you know, it's weird for me because like he he grew up like reading like DC you guy. know Marvel DC and shit like that. So, but uh, you know, he's beautiful space and everything. So. If you're ever in Savannah, Georgia, I can recommend that you go to Neighborhood Comics. Nice. Uh, we'll have to check it out at some point next time I'm in Georgia, whenever yep. that happens. <laughs> Dragon Con's coming up, so there's that. <laughs> Just a four, short four-hour drive from Jordan from Atlanta. Hey, man, that'd be fun. Go see a nice comic book <laughs> store. I don't know. Yeah. I've never been to Savannah. Sounds like a place Savannah's you should Savannah's beautiful. Go. I love Savannah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Sounds like a place you should go. Isn't that, like, that's um, Gone with the Wind, isn't it? Like, isn't that where that's? Uh, it's, uh, no, it's that, like... Uh, savannah central georgia kind of thing but midnight in the garden of good midnight, and evil yes, yes. you oh, can you can actually okay. go you can actually go to the cemetery that has that statue or whatever from the cover of midnight in the garden of good and evil cool a lot of cool old cemeteries and it's the only city that like survived sherman marching through in the civil war and everything like that so it's got some of the oldest buildings in the south uh, there because of it nice so. Okay, so for me, I don't actually have a geek cred this week. I've just been doing, I've been watching Star Trek all week. So my, my recommendation would have been like, hey, watch the original don't, series. Don't and, watch Discovery. Yeah, watch the original series <laughs> to get some Kirk and Spock love in your life and just ignore that the Discovery exists. Because that's basically, I had to like do a palate cleanse kind of this week <laughs> where I just watched a bunch of the original series and some TNG. I was watching like early TNG episodes too. And it was, I'm like, this show sucked in the first couple seasons too. So. <laughs> What I actually recommend this week, I've been working on this giant creator project again, and I'm teasing it again, but I really recommend if you have that, like that voice in your head that tells you to go make something, I have been thoroughly enjoying making something the last couple of weeks. And the boys will tell you that I'm very happy with what I'm showing them and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like I'm just constantly showing everybody stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you have some time and you have the creative urge, just take some time and fucking make something for yourself. Cause that's what I did this week. And I was just so happy the last couple of weeks having been able to just sit down and draw. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I recommend everybody do. So if you're some kind of artist, a writer, whatever, 
take the time, pick a project that you like and just fucking do it and see what happens. Cause that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm having so much fun doing all this. An oddly inspirational, uncynical message from our, uh, our <laughs> Mark, our, yeah. our resident it's cynic. It's another Trek episode, I think. Cause it was a Trek <laughs> episode, man. I'm in, I'm in, this is the only time you get me in like positive, like let's move the world forward mode is when I'm like, God, I could live on the enterprise. Yeah, let's 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 socialize everything, guys. Like, let's start doing stuff. Let's like make progress because I want to live. <laughs> I want a holodeck real bad. You know what I mean? Like, I just want a holodeck, yeah, and not just for porn. Well, but mostly for porn. I'm not going to say that because that's a lie. Like, that's totally <laughs> a lie. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, that's Dance Robot Dance for this week. So, thank you so much for listening. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe, which you can do via whichever podcatching app you prefer on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Also, we'd love to hear what you thought about Star Trek Discovery or are you a Trekkie in general or do you think we should all stop watching and reviewing stuff because we hate everything because that's also a valid opinion, <laughs> I guess. Anything, if you want to drop us a line, though, you can do so uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash dancerobotdancepodcast, on Twitter at drd underscore podcast, or you can email us at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. That was our Star Trek Discovery episode. This was Dance Robot Dance episode 146. I'm Mark. I'm saying goodnight. I've been here with Paul, so say goodnight, Paul. Good night and good morning. And uh, Tim, Discovery writers, be better. Yeah, I'm coming to. I'm I'm trying to get a job with you guys. So like, <laughs> when you see my name, don't hate me because I said this stuff about your show. We, I do we hate you to, because we love you. Yeah, we want to <laughs> love want you, you to so be like, better. Yeah, and I want to come work on your show and like design starships and shit. So like, let's make this happen, please, please. <laughs> no. All right, fair. All right. Uh, yeah, we're out of here for another week. So we will see you guys next week. Live long and prosper, everybody. My gangly are tingling. <laughs> God, it was so gross when Giorgio feeds Burnham the Kelpian ganglia. They looked so gelatinous. <laughs> and then and then and then they have their little exchange about uh Kelpian being tough back when they're in the regular universe. All right, uh, this episode's over. I'm I'm ending it because I'm depressed now. Thank you, Tim, so, for that. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Yeah.